0: My calculations are correct. When this baby hits 88 miles per hour, you're going to see some serious shit. Three, two, one. Backtrack, your time-traveling
1: podcast where we discuss computer and console RPGs from the 1980s right up through yesteryear. Brought to you by the staff of RPGamer.com, we tackle the good, the bad, and the ugly games from nearly 30 years of RPG history. So sit down and hold on tight, your next adventure is about to begin. Here are the hosts of RPG Backtrack,
0: Phil Willis and Mike Minkie.
1: And welcome to RPG Backtrack number 77 Welcome to the machine Boy, we are talking about a whole lot of games or maybe just a couple of games It's anybody's guest tonight as we talk about the Dot .hack and the Dot .hack GU series And to help me discuss these tonight are my good friends, Mr. Adrian Din Alden Hey everyone And Mr. Nathan Schulten Hello How are y'all doing tonight?
2: Uh, talk about dog
1: good. Hack. Oh, yeah. about. Well, that's good because uh, I, I don't know a whole lot about Dog Hack, and by the time I share what well, little I do know, we'll still have like two and a half hours uh, left <laughs> to record. So, thankfully, you two here are here to fill in the massive blanks and help educate me and our listening audience on this wonderful series. Uh, my good friend and co host, Mr. Mike Minky, may not be here tonight. Um, He had a couple of other things he had to attend to. He might be able to jump on later on. We shall see. But as always, I thank him because he's the one who uh, really organizes and puts this together and makes this happen in the background. So I always got to give my uh, shout-out to him. Uh, We're going to take a brief respite, and when we come back, we're going to dive right into this beast. Hold on tight. right into it this is the main event where we focus on uh, a RPG or more often than not an RPG series uh, that we talk about for hours at a time sometimes uh, and this one's a little bit different we're talking about uh, the dot hack and the dot hack GU series but uh, one of uh, one of these two esteemed experts is going to explain in just a moment Why we're going to discuss each series basically as one game instead of doing the normal approach where we talk about each game in the series separately. Uh, But I'm going to go ahead and do the normal introduction I do for any game, uh, or in this case, the whole game series. I'm going to tell you where it comes from and when it came out. This is a dot hack developed by CyberConnect2, published by Bandai Games. This is a PlayStation 2 RPG game released in North America. The first one, Infection, was released on February 11, 2003. Number two, Mutation, released on May 7, thousand and three. Outbreak, which is part three, released September 9th, two thousand and three. Last but not least, Quarantine, released on January thirteenth, two thousand and four. Holy cow, that's a that's a quick quick uh, flurry of RPGs there. They came out pretty close together, but you're going to explain to us why in just a minute, or one of you two will. This is a single-player action RPG experience, a rated T, for some terrific issues that we need to discuss and this was released on dvd rom or at least four different dvd roms so let's start off with uh with the with the obvious burning question on everyone's mind uh and either one of you gentlemen can feel free to pick up the ball and run with it here so why do we have four games that are released oh so close to each other i mean these guys are literally like four months apart uh we know it normally takes more than four months to develop an rpg
3: (laughs) The answer is pretty obvious, actually, when you think about it. It's... Dot Hack is one of the first examples of a serialized RPG. We, we've seen a few in more recent times, most of them released on digital distribution, but this was... The Dot Hack series as a whole was a giant mass media experiment uh, covering thousands, like, a dozen different uh, mediums, not, not only games, but anime, manga, novels, et cetera, et cetera. They, they, so, they even had radio shows. I, don't I did like not that. know that, but that's awesome. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> so... Um, Basically, it is all one game. Um, the story of each game ties directly into the uh, into the next. They, 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 there is no real ending to each individual game. It's it cuts off almost at a random point. It, it's not random. It is this, It is a specific point, but course, it might as well be for the first game a little less so for the other ones. Yeah, but uh, in, in essence, it, the whole the whole series tells uh, the story of Kite, who is uh, playing uh, an online MMO. Uh, called The World. It takes place in the near future, or actually I guess it would be the recent past. I think the original series takes place in 2009. Uh, and uh, in this MMO... You um, only wish we had internet technology that good in 2009. <laughs> exactly, exactly. With the head-mounted displays and whatnot. But uh, Kite is uh, hes playing this MMO with his friend Orca. And uh, while they're playing... Okay, okay,
2: a- let's take a step back here make sure... Kite and Orca are their, are their in-game names, but these are, the, all the characters are people playing in MMO. They're you know, people in the real world. Uh, Kite is officially a middle schooler, I believe. Is Orca uh, Yeah, middle school, school friend. I believe. Kite and Orca, are, all the names given for these characters are just their in-game names. And the game, the series does a whole lot of playing off the differences between how people are in the real world and how they are in the game world. Because, you know, it's characters in MMO, so, but, so just keep that in mind as we talk about them.
1: Mm, okay, that, that makes a lot of sense. In, Sounds kind of cool. Go ahead. In any
2: case, while they're
3: playing this, while they're playing this game, they encounter a glitch, and in this uh, this glitch, character that they encounter attacks them, and uh, when they're they're killed, their characters are killed. Um, all this crazy static appears on their screen. Thi- things happen, and uh, kite gets completely disconnected from the game and ends up back on his computer crashes and he ends up back in the real world. But when he when he uh, gets around to calling his friend, finding out what happens, he finds out that his friend Orca is now in a coma. And so the dot hack games revolve around Kite's journey through the world, trying to figure out why Orca fell into a coma and what this glitch was that caused it. Hmm. If that makes any sense at all. It's, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, there's a lot of interesting plays on there. There's more characters that he meets more characters in the world. Some of them are hackers, some of them
2: have similar experiences to him and uh, oh, the whole uh you're skipping something kind of important too early on so, the, as he meet, before he meets all these characters before he has a chance to do almost anything he goes to an early uh, goes to a, to a single early area in the game he goes back to exactly where he w- was attacked and there he's basically given a book well actually i think he's actually given the book from the beginning isn't he yeah right, right when orc is attacked a mysterious girl in white kind of appears and gives him a book and when he is later attacked by a bugged monster, this book opens, revealing the, in a new power, the power of the Twilight Bracelet, which is, it basically completely rewrites his character, giving him the power to use Data Drain, which allows him to rewrite the anima- data of monsters. Thus, he, this Data Drain is basically the same power used to make it send his friend into a coma. Thus, the whole of how do I use this data power in order to seek it back my friend it becomes the main action of the rest of the game. It's a it's a
3: very weird story, and uh, I'll be honest with you the first the, the story of the first game is not nearly as good as the later entries in the franchise. But yeah, the it, main it,
2: story is a little bare bones. The original, I mean, it does a lot of interesting things, but the basic stories can be a bit bare bones at times. What,
3: what really makes the do, uh, the first four Dot Hack games memorable is the way the story is told, told because it introduces all the mechanics that are later used much better in GU, and that's. The story is told not only from the point of view of the characters in the mMO but in from the point of view of the uh, the player in the real world on his on his computer so you can access your game your computer's desktop, you can uh, get email, you can post on message forms, read message forms, and get information in that way as
2: well as getting information through the game so in a lot of the ways sadly it, it ac- isn't really. That still really isn't used that well because there isn't a whole lot of content on the desktop, especially in the first game. There's not much in the way of the message boards. There's not much info there other than a few little background clips. There's the, you don't really can really do too much on the forums. There's not, you can send emails back and forth, which is the one interesting thing, especially when you send emails to your party members, you have these long conversations with them. But most of the stuff actually happens inside the main game itself. This one place they really could have built on more, but they didn't. It is used
3: a lot better in the GU series, I will admit that. But it's, it's really cool because it's the first time that that sort of functionality was introduced in a game. And it, it, it really makes those games stand out at the time because it was a new concept. It was a new idea. And it, it made, made you really feel like you, were playing, you weren't just playing an RPG. You were taking on the role of the character playing the MMO. So you really felt like yeah. you were playing a game within a game. It works
2: really well for that. Just, especially like, The main characters are all they're video game players. They're gamers. Anyone exactly. who's a gamer can relate to them. Their stories are very normal and understandable to everyone. In fact, the, the way they interact, the way they meet people online and interact with those people and present themselves and the way they feel about things, it's very much people of the modern day with the modern problems and ideas and relating to each other very well. And, of course, uh, as you
3: already mentioned, there's a lot of playing off of... Uh, identity on online identities and things like that people aren't always exactly what they seem sometimes you'll like i know in in one of the interesting things about the anime series that acted as a prequel to this series this first series is that the main character of that series who is a guy is actually a girl in the real world and that's revealed towards the end of the series and that's just one of the one of the few things that uh makes that whole thing more interesting I mean people might be older than they appear or younger than they appear yeah some
2: interesting great examples like for example one character is uh, kind of plays seems very childish but she reveals herself to be a housewife later on who's actually pregnant and just leaves the game for a while because she's pregnant and, then, and there's then another character, who's the oldest and most mature seeming, I mean, the guy who's the, the guy who just looks the oldest in game and acts the most mature, is in fact far and away one of the youngest players in the, or yeah. stuff, the whole team.
3: And, and then there's weird things like in in the Dot Hack Sign anime that came before it, uh, one of the characters Sora is this uh, crazy powerful uh, character who uh, likes to kill other players and stuff like that, and it turns out he's. Uh, we can uh, wait
2: on Dot Hack Sign a little bit later, but yeah, okay, but Sora can, is very different between his in yeah. game. Persona and it's out of game persona. Yeah.
3: That's just many of the examples. But uh, the, the thing about the Dot Hack series, the original ones, anyways, is that it's not. It is really all about the story and how the story is presented, and especially how the story is presented across multiple media. But as a whole, the original four games were absolute crap. <laughs> yeah,
2: well, they're not that. I actually really enjoyed the first four games.
3: But Really? Yes, I, I enjoyed them. I, I could not even get through the fourth one. I, I, by the time I was like. Just starting up the fourth one, I just said, this is just getting way out of hand, and I just gave up. I, I had to struggle to finish the first three.
2: I, I'll admit I had a little bit of burnout on them, but I have a burnout on most every long game. I have burnout on Persona 3, which says something about how easy I get burned out. But, yeah, I managed to finish these ones. Oh,
3: it, it wasn't the burnout that killed me. It was it, it was the fact that the Dot .hack uh, Volume 4 start basically starts out by asking you to collect... What is it, like 20 or 30 of the virus cores or some nonsense like okay, that?
2: virus cores, those things are terrible. They deserve their own mention right now. <laughs> basically, before you even get into Dot .hack, before you even feel like you want to get concerned with it, know this. This game will basically ask you to use your power of Data Drain, their special ability, to extract special rare items from enemies over and over and over. And there's a lot of... It's
1: just a like, lot of... Is this like the drawing power when you, from Final Fantasy VIII where you suck the magic no. out of them?
3: No, by comparison... No, it's fine. cooler than that. It's really awesome, actually, by comparison.
1: Okay. Because <laughs> a lot of yes. people say that whole... You know, when we talked about Final Fantasy 8 back in the day, a lot of people boo-hooed that particular part of the game because it felt kind of forced in an unnecessary time sink.
2: It, well, it was, but yeah. <laughs> uh, data Train's different. That's basically Data Train... Basically, it's the ultimate hacking attack. Basically, if you do something called Protect Break by doing enough damage to an enemy or hitting their weakness enough where the special Protect Break condition activates, you can Data Drain them. Data Drain then activates this big, fancy special effect where you basically reduce the enemy to like a level one, high monster and get a cool item out of it. It's a great way for dispatching things like, well... The original .hack series have a lot of really unfair enemies. Either one, enemies who are... Combined especially especially in Volume 3 and 4. Especially in Volume 3 and 4. Yeah, and especially in a couple of du- big dungeons in 3 and 4. But also even in Volume 2 there's, uh, as well, enemies which are... well like. Like, if you've, you can suddenly be dropped in a field battle where there's three enemy groups come in and there's a whole bunch of powerful monsters, and two of them will revive any enemy that instant it's dead, including each other. So, it's basically impossible to kill them unless you've data drain them to basically you've data drained them down to a level one monster that is harmless, which is even worse than killing them. Instances. Yeah, the, the, the unfortunate
3: thing about it too is that there's a limit on how often you can use your data drain ability. It, it, Every time you use your data drain ability, it corrupts your character, and if it gets too far, you get an artificial game over.
2: Yeah, and also there's other even worse conditions, like in other just a game over, it's also like, lose a level for every party member, but this only happens at really high data drain, which is kind of hard to get, actually. It still gets some nasty side effects in the middle, like everyone gets charmed, which is close yeah. enough to a game over in this game. It, it's pretty brutal the way
3: it's all designed and put together, but honestly, I thought the Volume two, of all of all of them. Volume two was the most palatable to me because it seemed like the monsters were the most balanced. Like it, it was a step up from Dot Hack Infection because it required a little bit more thought. You couldn't just hack and slash enemies to death, but it didn't get to the point where there were enemies that would destroy you in two hits, like it did in Volume Three and Four.
2: Yeah, as the Dot these games go on, it's like there's kind of weird balance issues. Basically, you need a well balanced, good team of you and your AI. Well, your they're players in game, but they're AI-driven in the gameplay. Need to get through. Like, for example, three twin blades gonna die fast. <laughs> Seems like it works, but fast. But no, it's, they're gonna die fast. You really need a powerful heavy blade or heavy axman in order to get through. have it to take some hits, and the wave masters support you. Which gets kind of problematic since in Volume Three and Four, they, you only have one wave master. The two of the various characters leaving the party for a while, so is like you absolutely need a wave master to get through, which means you're going to be using Wise Man a lot. And I guess I should actually explain the, basic, the game within the game a bit more. See, basically the game you're playing within the .hack games is the world. It's very much it's in a classic MMO, but if, you've, if the World of Warcraft is your only MMO you know, it's going to seem like a really weird MMO. Yeah, it's a, it's actually, a very different from most MMOs.
3: It's it's based I would say it's similar more similar to like something like Diablo with randomized dungeons and things like that.
2: Well, yeah, it's like Diablo, but also a lot like Fantasy Star Online in particular strikes a strong similarity that characters their appearance is based off of character creation at the beginning of the game, not off of armor they're equipped. It's more about just random adventuring in areas, which particularly field zones. Like like definitely Fantasy Star Online is the closest thing it's most like to any game. Anyways, there are six or so character classes, I believe. There's Heavy Axemen, which is a big, heavy, strong tank class, which is a giant axe. There's the Heavy Blade. I forget the exact terminology for these, but... Yeah. The, large, the two large 200 sword-using class, which is also heavily armored and very powerful, but it's somewhat different style than Heavy Axemen. A little less defensive, a little more offensive. They use different moves. Yeah, and then there's the, the Twin Blade, which is what Kite is. Yeah, uh, the Twin Blade, which the wave is... Well, the twin blades is highly quick attacking one with yeah. poor defense, but also it's the second best magic using class. No, not that really, it's very good at it compared to wave master. Yeah, and, and Wavemaster is the obviously
3: big, the magic using healing class. Obviously, yeah. You and really then, there's healing s- then there's
2: that spear class, which I can't remember the name of it. Yeah, the spear class, which it's also a medium armor type like the twin blades, which it's. Well, it's just kind of there. I can't remember much about yeah. it. At all. There's only like
3: one character that I actually used, and I can't even remember which character's that name. The, the character's name was
2: the character was based off of the guy from Dark Sign. At that, really yeah, yeah. Guy.
3: And uh, then, of course, there was the uh, uh, the one-handed sword user, like Balmung, which I can't remember yeah, like any exactly, uh, I do uh, a, a lot It of might have been Blade. That. I know in GU it was Blade Brandier, but I can't remember if that I think was it's the same. Blade Master it might be Blade Master. Yeah.
2: Uh, these guys are really common and kind of generic but not bad to have.
4: Yeah.
3: I don't think we really have a lot more to say about the uh, the original four games other than uh, they're exhausting to get through but they're certainly an interesting and unique it's a unique and interesting series at uh, that yeah. at least.
2: I mean, the characters are fun and the stories kind of interesting, it's hard to justify the price of buying four games. Let's get them all together yeah. cheap. Did, did we talk? Did you all? Did I miss the part where you
1: talked about a little bit more about the, the gameplay mechanics themselves? Is this turn based combat or?
2: Oh yeah, let me get to... a can... po- I... Very
3: poorly designed action RPG system in which oh, um. Well it's, in which basic... well, it's not a basic system. It, it's it's worse than basic. No, system. I wasn't playing the same thing. All you can really do in the game, as far as uh, action combat goes, is a basic attack, and you can block. Other than that, anything else that you want to use has to be accessed through a menu. So it's it's a it's an action RPG combat with heavy focus on menus. You'll be opening the menu a lot in order to access your special skills and spells and whatnot and items.
0: Pretty much constantly. Yeah,
2: this this is, can get a little tedious, but it's also there are various things I like about this combat system. Most notably the just the basically you, the basic gameplay of just running around attacking and occasionally using skills isn't too in depth. But I really like some of the stuff like especially the way they handle the AI partners of the various allies you bring with you have a lot of personality, constantly making quips, which are displayed in MMO style, and they talk about it as an MMO, which is a very refreshing change. And also, I really like the way you can control them. You can give them specific orders at any time. You can set up various different ways, patterns that can affect how they control in battle. And it's rather easy to use, and I like this overall way of controlling AI allies and such. Yeah, the, the biggest issue is more than anything, like,
3: the core mechanics of the system, I, I agree, were, were good, but the problem was a lack of shortcuts. Um, for an action system, keeping you engaged in the action is kind of important, and it didn't really do that. It forced you to break the action, to toggle through menus way
2: too often to really be a, a good action RPG. You know, it's not really trying to be a good action RPG. It's actually just trying to play it MMO-like, which I think is, it works sort of like that, but... Yeah, it does have some problems of being a little bit clunky at times. It's been a while since i played, so I can't remember all the details. Yeah. But I, I, Honestly, for the first four games,
3: the thing that really stood out for me the most, though, was the stuff that came around it. The, the anime stuff that came around it and the, and the manga stuff that came around it, like .hack Sign, .hack Legend of the Twilight, which came afterwards, or even the, the OVAs that came with the games. Uh, the, the, yeah, it's, or it's worth mentioning.
0: The yeah,
3: the 40-minute dot, dot OVA called .hack Liminality, yeah.
1: Before we get uh, into that, let's uh, let's let's talk about the price of these little bad boys.
3: <laughs> that was the biggest complaint against the games when they first came out. Is that every single game, despite being part of a whole, was released at regular retail price. I think it was which like forty, was, was it 50 dollars? Yeah. Like so a lot of people had trouble justifying the price, especially since compared to other stuff at the time, they were pretty mediocre games.
1: And 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 the the and, and not that we're there yet, but the GU games did the same thing pretty much, right?
3: They did, but um, I would put the GU games a little bit higher on there. Um, the, dot, the original Dot Hack games were very very short, and we're talking like twelve to fifteen hours short. Oh, Wow! Uh, I
2: think they're a little bit longer than that if you get involved in the uh, dungeon exploration, which can be fun.
3: Yeah, but you have and, to. Really, that's all grinding at the end. The story itself, you only takes twelve to fifteen hours to get through. Whereas the Dot Hack GU
2: games. Will easily last you twenty to thirty hours. So yeah, the, the dot hack, I'll say that the original dot hack luminosity, the very first one, is almost worth the extra price because it's actually a pretty darn good little anime. I, I would say the OVAs are worth more than the games themselves because
3: they're obviously rare since they were only released with the games, and the games didn't have a very large print run. And you, obviously, you can't buy the those OVAs on their own. And the OVAs are also not only interesting, but they're unique in the .hack universe in that they're the only anime series in the .hack universe that takes place in the (laughs) world. All all the other ones take place in uh, in the game world, but the Liminality series looks at the game world from outside, and so you see the people's real personas, and you see them playing the game, but you never actually see what's going on in the game.
1: So, uh, uh, Nathan, I understand you like... So you like this uh, first uh, series enough to go, you know, completely all the way through it? Um, would you say that you like this one more than the GU series?
2: No, I won't say I liked it more than GU. GU is pretty darn good in comparison. I, I'll say I liked it. It's not the greatest game. I don't imagine myself replaying it ever. But it's it does a few things GU doesn't, which I like about it. Which, which I'll get to when we get to GU. Okay, but. all
1: right, yeah, because definitely you want to hear that contrast. All right, so um, what we got here, if you, wanna, if you wanted to buy these games, now, as, as Adrian mentioned, yeah, they, they came out back in the day, uh, you know, 50 bucks. And uh, so 200 bucks for essentially what was, you know, uh, maybe uh, you know, one really long you know, RPG. And I remember that. I remember that when they were announcing the game and reading it on uh, the websites and stuff. And it was one of the reasons why I didn't even bother to look deeply at the series at all. I didn't uh I didn't actually think twice about it until about 4 or 5 years ago um which would be about 5 years after Dot Hack came out. How, how long after Dot Hack did GU come out?
2: GU came out in 2006. 2006. Oh okay. Yeah, it's actually short enough afterwards that actually I saw the first commercial for Dot Hack GU before I finished Dot the, the, the actual original series.
1: Oh goodness. So I I think I picked up um on GU in 2000. It must have been like 2007. No, 2008. So um anywho, uh that's neither here hear. there. We'll talk about that in the GU section. But so dot hack, if you want to buy that guy today, it isn't too much cheaper. <laughs> you can get uh, okay, so starting off with part one, uh you can get uh used copies of about fifteen dollars. Not not too bad. Uh but if you want it brand new, you're looking at a hundred. Uh for uh part two, used copies are about uh, I, I see a couple on here for about I would say an average of about thirty bucks. Uh, they, they there are some higher priced ones uh, and then the brand new ones are 120 130 bucks uh the uh, part number 3 uh used copies are pretty solid there around 25 bucks someone's got a calculator right so someone's adding this up 15 uh what did we say 15 uh 30 is 45 and now this is another 20 25 so you're looking at maybe 70 bucks so far. Brand new, uh, you, uh, there's actually a couple copies brand new for 40 bucks. But then we get to the, then we get to quarantine. I, I must have only printed like 10 copies of this thing because used, it's uh, it's $100. Holy crap. <laughs> there,
3: <Wow. laughs> I didn't realize my copy of Dot had Quarantine it was so do, valuable. That's awesome. Dude, go
1: sell it now. <laughs> now I, I No, wait, wait. I found one here that's on Buy It Now. I'm going to see what the shipping is. But there's a Buy It Now here for 80 bucks. Um. so uh, let's see it's used the box is open free shipping so okay you can get it for 80 there's a deal steal but that
3: don't have the OVA inside though
1: Uh, probably not uh, let's see <laughs> let's let's see if it says it's the worst OVA.
2: of the OVAs but
1: uh, product features this is a box copy it comes with a gaming case fine light scratches no anime disc or manual included oh that's oh, why it's, it's cheap oh. now if you, if you want
3: the guy in the this... or cheap without the manual or of it will
1: if you wanted a uh, brand new in the shrink rat which would i imagine would include that uh, ova you mentioned uh that is two hundred dollars wow so at wow at minimum to pick this series up you're 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 probably looking at splunking down at least what a hundred and fifty hundred sixty bucks and that's with. It's not
2: that different what I paid for it originally. Yeah, I
1: know, right? i was just... just
2: looking at the.
3: I, I bought this used back in like 2006 or 2007 at uh, EV Games, and I think I paid about twenty to thirty dollars for each game. Well, and, and that you know,
1: I was going to mention that. Uh... And they all
3: had the OVA too, which was nice.
1: Oh, okay. Well, that's very nice. Yeah, because I, I got GU those three games for maybe ten bucks each. So yeah, maybe fifteen tops. But anywho, yeah, there's um. Yeah. You're gonna have to dig you're gonna have to dig deep for that. So you said you said the uh the Ova or whatever was worth more than the game. Is it worth the hundred and fifty dollars?
3: Um, depends on if you really, really want to see it or not, or if you really want to get into the Dell Hack universe or not. Um if you really get into it there's a lot of content in there, there's a lot of interesting
2: stories and side stories. The liminality story yeah. I personally it really like. The, volume one, the first volume of liminality is really one of my favorite things in Dot .hack. I really like it. The second and third are a little less so, kind of interesting. The third is mostly just backstory for a lot of the rest of the Dot .hack world. But the fourth liminality, which is the most expensive, is actually really the least important and interesting, if you ask me. Basically, nothing of important ha- importance happens in it. So, yeah, that's about how my feelings are.
1: So one of the uh, one of the more interesting things about this game when it was you know coming out I'm uh, was you know I was reading the previews and stuff but you touched on it before is is there was a lot of other uh, uh, collateral or media or whatever <laughs> you know about the die hack the comics the the cartoons or whatever so, so let's talk about those uh, revolving around this first series.
2: Well, the well, first would be dot- .hack Sign, the original anime, which is basically a, sl- which is a prequel, which takes place just before the main events of the games. And it involves and mirror this- versions of all the characters, which is one of the cool things. Yeah, so that's a kind of recurring theme across a lot of the .hack stuff, is that people keep looking the same, even though they're different characters. For example, in this one, the character of Tsukasa, the main, of the main characters of .hack Sign, looks just like the character Elk, who's a major character within... Okay, he should be a major character in original games, but he actually doesn't do much. <laughs> Similarly, uh,
3: actually, Mimiru is probably the better example. Mimiru, who's a main character in .hack Sign, looks exactly like .hack, uh, uh, looks exactly like Black Rose, who's a major character in .hack Mutation. And actually, in both versions, she's probably the second most important character after the protagonist.
2: Yeah, the difference between them is Mimiru's brown, Black Rose is pink and red.
1: Mm-hmm. What else?
2: Well, listen, Dot X-Sign is really darn awesome. Uh, it's yeah. one of my favorite anime series, actually. That's a and good way to
3: put it. It is really darn awesome. It's 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 a cerebral series. It, there's not a lot of action that happens in it, but it's got such interesting characters and such an interesting plot line that you can't help but fall in love with it.
2: Yeah, it's just extremely deep, interesting characters. It's really slow, kind of, it's a slow, careful approach to character growth because character growth is the single most important thing to it. It's, it doesn't try to hide behind no oh, cheap action or anything else. It's just all about deep character psychology, which is, is really good. And There's a lot of also, talking. A lot of talking. A lot, yes. Also, really amazingly good music. This is the series that oh introduced me to Yuki Kajira, who's become my favorite composer ever. The hack series as whole has incredible music.
3: It's not just Dothack, yeah. it's the whole series.
2: Yeah, I mean, she's did the, some. If people are not familiar with, Dot Hack, might know her as the composer for Xenosaga Episode 3, which has equally great music, in my opinion, and various other works. So, yeah, great music. Also, one thing of note is Dot Hack's sign and the original Dot Hack games share a villain, the mysterious entity Morgana Mode Gone. Uh, this entity, well, is basically utterly, absolutely terrible in the games, but it's a
0: splendid. Hold, hold on one second, uh, Nathan.
1: We're having a little bit of an issue. We're gonna get you right back here. And uh, uh... hold on one second. There you go. Try that again, Nathan. You were talking about the
2: villain. Yeah, the main villain of the Dot Hack, uh, of both Dot Hack Sign and the Dot Hack games, is this mysterious entity called Morgana Mogone. Uh This entity is almost completely absent in the games and it's just terrible in them because, you know, she doesn't do anything or say anything or appear at all, Even though she's actually the main villain. But in Dot Sign, she's a splendid villain. Just absolutely great
3: overall. Even though, again, you still don't see her very often. She's only in two or three episodes, I think. Well,
2: she's a disembodied voice who appears constantly, which which makes it kind of just, she never appears. She's always talking and and her the way she acts—it's always interesting. So I guess it's kind of the crazy thing—the dot X sign—it's like, it's animated so much about talking. That the only thing the main villain does is talk. Let's but it and, works. And launch and create invulnerable
3: monsters, of course. Yeah,
2: and they create invulnerable super <laughs> monsters. But hey, we all like Ske.
3: Yes, and uh, oh, you got—you can't help but love uh, Sukasa's little guardian protector—the yeah. weird sort of barbell thing.
2: The weird barbell guardian. That
3: we should probably actually talk about the plot of Dot Hack Sign, since we didn't really touch on that. But the, the, main, plot Sign, the main plot line of Hack Sign, the main plot line of Dot Hack Sign is, unlike Dot Hack and uh, the Dot Hack games, where the kite is looking searching for a way to cure a person who's gone into a coma, uh, the main character Tsukasa in Dot Hack Sign is in a coma in the real world, but he's trapped within the game and he can't log out, which is a, a theme that you you see in a couple of other. Uh, Versions of the uh, game uh, of the game and the anime series later on. So it's a whole, whole different concept than the uh, games, and a whole different major plot line to the different games. But it's an, it's it's very interesting just on its uh, its own. It's, uh, so Sukasa is traveling through the world trying to figure out what to do with himself now that he's uh, unable to log out.
2: And really most of the story is heavily about his own character growth within that and trying to. And all the reactions of people around to his unusual situation, how they try to interact with it and help him, or basically fail to help him, and so on. Well, I think we've touched on everything we can
3: about Dot Hack's sign. There was one other anime series that came around with the uh, the original Dot uh, Hack games, and that was Dot Hack Legend of the Twilight, which
2: was a sequel. Okay, Dot Hack Legend of the Twilight is a terrible anime. <laughs> it's an <laughs> adaptation of the Legend of the Twilight recent Manga, which is vastly better. But read still, the manga, ignore ridiculous. the anime
3: still ridiculous. I mean, the whole thing was basically designed as a, as a comic relief for the series. There's, there, there's a lot less seriousness to the plotline and a lot, a lot more goofy stories and yeah, mini-stories.
2: In many ways, the Dark Act Legend of the Twilight manga is basically all about showing this is the great world the heroes created by winning the games. It's basically the main point of it. and It's basically fun, and it has develops a bit of a serious storyline, but the story storyline story never gets too serious, and it has kind of a nice, feel-good, happy ending. I love like. yeah. But the anime, that gets weird and focuses a bit too much on the brother-sister incest angle, which is kind of creepy. <laughs> and it ruins everything <laughs> I liked about the manga, so don't watch it, please.
1: Okay. Any other thoughts?
2: Oh, yeah. There's also a couple other things, like there's some prequel novels, one of which is interesting. In that it's basically, there's one focusing on the some of the people from the perspective of the company that runs the Dot Hack universe and their encounters with some of the various unusual happenings, and some short stories that follow up, which continue that perspective of the Cobalt Knights, who are the so called, who are kind of the opposites of the Crimson Knights who show up in the Dot Hack game, Dot Hack sign anime. And, and there's also a novel. Uh, I can't
3: remember if it was one or a series of novels written by Black Rose from Black Rose's perspective, basically the story of the games from Black Rose's perspective.
2: Yeah, I never put up the courage to read those because I never want to risk ruining Black Rose's character. <laughs> yeah, I haven't read them either, but I know they exist.
3: There, there's a lot of content in the .hack universe, and it would cost a small fortune to acquire it all, And especially since not all of it has actually been released in North America. Only a small fraction of the .hack universe has been released. Yeah, we're missing a lot of stuff, like, say, the radio dramas and such. And the whole last game in the series? Yeah, that is that too. I try not to think about that one. There's another one, actually, that was released
2: recently. Yeah, the Dalek Versus. Yeah. Hmm. Which. Which what? Oh, so that one's. This thing was packed with an anime movie, which also we're probably missing.
3: Yeah, we're missing that as well. I'm almost tempted to import it just because I kind of want it. It sounds interesting. It sounds a lot like Persona 4 Arena, which really. Makes me intrigued. So,
2: it's not, the, it's, I'm never going to be able to get over the fact that they call, named the new, the new girl kite lookalike Sora, even though that's such a major character from earlier on. That, it's, I know that,
3: I, I, that just boggled my mind as well. Uh, and especially. When, I don't know if you've seen the .hack Quantum OVA, which was released here about a year or so ago. I've been meaning to. Like I think about it last <laughs> night since it's available it's, online. And... It's actually quite good, but the, the main character in that one is also a kite lookalike girl. And I can't remember her name now off the top of my head, but it's not Sora. I'm surprised they didn't just make her the main character.
2: Yeah, I just don't know anymore. I really need to get to watching Quantum, though. Yes, uh,
3: I definitely recommend it. It's, it's quite interesting. It's uh, more action-oriented than, uh, than .hack Sign or .hack Legend of the Twilight, but it's still got the whole cerebral aspect to it. It's got a really cool antagonist. Okay, so I'll then need to go watch it then. It's very short, though. It's only about 50
2: minutes long.
1: Unfortunately, I can't find any of this on Netflix. How rude.
2: <laughs> uh, .hack Quantum is streaming online on Funimation.com. Who they have the streaming light rights, so you can just watch it there. Is that the English version or is that the uh, the dubbed uh, the subbed version? I don't remember what they have. Actually, sorry.
1: No. Okay. Um, cool beans. We're going to take a teeny tiny break, and we'll be back to talk about GU. Hold on tight. The next series, Dot Hack G.U., developed once again by CyberConnect2, published by Bandai. This is a PlayStation 2 series. Uh, Rebirth was released in North America, Part One, on October 24, 2006. Part Two, Reminisce, released May 8, 2007. And last but not least, Part Three, Redemption, released September 8, 2007. This is a single-player action RPG, rated for T for terrific, right?
0: Yeah, much, I would yeah. say
1: so. Yeah. All righty. So we're gonna have a little bit more to talk about this one because this one was a uh, this one was a little bit more loved. And uh, before we get into the specifics of why it was loved, we're gonna first talk about the uh, the story. So.
2: Okay. Uh, go for story, it, Mister Nathan. The story is kind of interesting. That well, it's mm, how do I even start? Basically, this is the story about the character Haseo and his player. And basically, the very first thing you do in the game is his first foray in, where he's his first little having fun as a total newbie, his first time playing the game. At which point, he just explores around with a bunch of new players who promise to guide him around, who, at the prompt at the end, kill him. Because, well, there's PKs who have fun griefing new players. We all hate them, but they exist. And this he kind of takes this personally after there's a kind of a big time jump between this first scene the later ones and during this time the entire dot hack roots anime appears which we'll have to talk about later but yeah there's an entire anime series between the first scene and the second and but basically the gist is of this is that he's a really angry guy after this he somewhere in the middle of his past he joined up with a guild, and in that guild a, a girl he kind of had a crush on was pk'd by a mysterious player known as Triedge. And, well, after being PK'd by tri she fell into a coma. Not another plot from the original, but it's being reused, reused here. Uh, he then sp- go, becomes something called a PKK, a player-killer-killer. Killer, kind of redundant term, which basically means he goes around <laughs> killing every PK hoping they're tri Or knows something <laughs> about tri And thus he goes on a mad quest for revenge, which basically takes him nowhere until, at the very early on in Jadak.ju, the first volume of it... Uh, the, uh, Ovan, the leader of the guild he was formerly a member of, tells him that Triedge will appear. So he goes to fight tri who promptly murders him in a spectacular fashion, actually. And after being hit by tri data train, which I might as well mention, tri looks exactly like Kite from the original game, except more creepy. Uh, Haseyo is sent back to level one and has to begin his adventure all over again as a newbie. And basically, the enti- rest of the game's follow is him basically... Basically being sent back to square one with the game and basically giving it an odd second chance to try the game again and play it a different way than he did originally, which he kind of grows and develops with as he continues to pursue Tri-Edge and find the mystery of why Shino was felled into a coma. And along the way, of course, he meets new
3: clericers, develops friendships, learns more about the world and why triage exists and why Shino ended up in a, in a coma, and... It, it actually all goes down uh, to the actual meaning of the phrase GU, which is never officially rele- uh, revealed in the game. Actually, there's but,
2: like 12 different meanings of it. Yeah, there,
3: there's 12 different meanings, but the official meaning and the meaning that the, the developers actually re- uh, released this information after in a in a QA session after, after the games were released, the GU actually stands for Grow Up, which is what the whole story is about. It's about Haseo growing up as a character.
2: Yeah, it's... Done it's really well. Haseo's a great character, and all the people play, play off of him are pretty good. I don't also, think I've ever seen a protagonist
3: in a JRPG that develops more over the course of his story than Haseo does. It's well, incredible. It's
2: comparable to Neku from The World Ends with You, but that's a pretty good company.
3: Well, he, I'm not even—he he grows up even more than Neku. I mean, Neku has a, a journey, that's for sure. But if you look at uh, Haseo, the amount of changes his character goes through between the be- very beginning of the game when he's apathetic and is just playing the world because he's bored to the the start of the GU, uh Rebirth when you actually start controlling the game and he's gone on a mad quest for revenge. He's become completely isolated, total loner. He hates everything and everyone. And then towards the end of the uh, Reminisce and Redemption where he finally he's realizing the value of his friends and stuff like that. And then to finally reach the end of G.U. Redemption, which is quite possibly one of my favorite game endings of all time, where he makes this, a, a relationship decision, which completely goes against any kind of relationship decision you ever see in a jrpg ever most of the time it's happy ending the the boy and the girl reunited they live happily ever after it's it's so totally different from what you normally expect and it's done so well that I, i i that ending is among my favorite game endings of all time
2: yeah that's i can't remember exactly which point you're talking about but yeah it's definitely a good game i really like everything about the story very much so it's a I can't say how much I really like the characters in this game and this character growth and everything about that. Also, another thing I want to say is that one thing I really like is has the, kind of the gimmick they gave Seo. You see, the Seo is basically known as the P, legendary PKK, the Terror of Death. This is a very familiar name to anyone who's ever played the original games. You see, the very first major boss at the end of the first volume of the, uh, the original Dot .hack was Skaith, the Terror of Death. Basically, the sail is skate. He controls skate's power. He eventually, later on, he gets to transform into skate and use it to defeat all of his enemies. This is a, a really cool kind of gimmick. Because suddenly, all, him and all the other of the eight phases, the main bosses of the original games, all appear as characters. They're, they're the... Ah, what's the term they're used for them? The, they're avatars. Yeah, they're, no, but the, four, the eight characters who have it, they're the... Oh, the Epitaph users. Yes, the Epitaph users. There are eight Epitaph users, one for each of the bosses from the previous game. And they're all major characters who are all important and have to each have that same power. Basically, they are become the new bosses of this game. And it's kind of a weird reversion of everything because the heroes of the last game are suddenly enemies you have to fight in this one. And you have characters controlling the powers of the bosses from the previous game, which is a cool twist I really liked. Which kind of brings me to the thing I was hinting at it before. is the one thing I really didn't like about this one. The one thing the original game did better is that the original game, the main character's power is Data Train, and it's a major central game mechanic you can constantly use. In this one, it's not. It Skates the plot power. It only shows up at certain plot points. You really can't access it at all during normal gameplay. You have eight Epitaph users who are all major characters, and many of them join the party. But, basically, none of them are actually any different from any other character. There's no Value the fact that there's no specialness to their powers, they can't really access them any time, and that's really the one thing I can't don't like about .igu. I don't know.
3: I, I actually kind of th- found it refreshing
2: because it, it made the characters seem more like normal characters. Uh,
3: it it wasn't like you were a special, unique character that was blasting through the world and you were unstoppable. I mean, he his powers took precedence during the arena and were important, but you really had to learn how to play the character as as an actual character and. In that way, they were able to introduce more characters that were just as useful and just as important. And not, It wasn't just about being able to data drain monsters or anything like that. It was uh, every single character, even if they weren't even really involved in the plot line, was still a potentially, potentially useful party member. And it allowed know, for a lot I... more
2: interesting side stories and things like that. I don't begrudge all the interestingness of the side characters and the non-avatap user characters and such. It's just more the fact that, I guess, I wish there's more places. Like they give a cool mini game where you control Skates to defeat these the powerful uh, monsters. There's the Ida that are the infecting the world and driving the main as the major antagonists. Sure. However, they, the hardest boss uh, boss fights in the game, I might add. Yeah, they're actually really kind of cool fights. Uh, the thing is about them is that well, they only show up at a couple spouts in the whole game. Like the original you can originally find the bugged infinite HP monsters scattered throughout different areas, different special dungeons and such. In this game, they only show up like four times in, an entire, in a single volume. You don't get these, that many of these fights. You don't get points where you get to use like, defeat a normal bugged monster in fo- foot combat, then defeat it with the power of SKATE. You can't, and also you only control skate. You can never control any of your ally Epitaph users or sort of fight as a, t- a team of, epita- uh, of avatars. And it just gets a little, like, it's just done slightly better, and it just feels a little slightly disappointing.
1: Helps if I'm not on mute. <laughs> Were there <laughs> any other uh, characters that really player stu- uh, characters that really stuck out to you?
2: Uh, yeah, definitely. Like most of the Epitaph users are great characters. All eight of them. Um, Adelie is the c- girl who looks like uh, Hase- Seo's old girlfriend, Shino. Or well, calling uh, her Seo's old girlfriend doesn't. It's not true. It's but it's complicated, but he, basically he looks like the girl she he had a, a huge crush on. And, well, her gay, player character does. And she appears before him and develops a lot alongside him and really controls his development. He goes from absolutely hating her to growing to being a good person Person who's important to him. Yeah, DihackG does a really
3: good job as well with, uh, with playing on player expectations and things like that and introducing characters that don't really look like what you'd expect. Like a uh, I I think Sakubo is one of my favorites just because of how that character was introduced in that her character, well, I guess her, his character, however you want to say it, it's actually controlled by two different people, a brother and sister, one named Saku and the other named Bo. and They they have totally different personalities. They have totally opposite personalities and they take turns controlling the character. So whenever you run into the character... You never really know which one it is until you look at their hat, because uh, whenever one is in, uh, whenever the uh, Saku is in control, the su- the sun on his ha- uh, on her hat is on the top. Whereas, if uh, Bo is in control, the moon is on her on on the, on the hat is on top. On his hat, yeah. On his Saku's hat, the yeah. Girl. Bo's the girl. And, guy. Boy, yeah. And uh, the the one thing that really disappointed me though with Saku Bo's character is how they handled it at the end, and they kind of ruined that whole dynamic of brother and sister by trying to make them one character with a split personality. I, I didn't like that. I thought that was a cop-out that ruined it interesting. Kind of
2: interesting it's kind of an odd twist. I thought it was kind of interesting, kind of yeah. weird, but I did think it was interesting. It was interesting, but I sort of found it like a cop-out because
3: the whole idea of one, person, uh, of one character being shared by two people I thought was really cool. It was definitely something
2: you can't see anywhere other than in an MMO. But when they uh, when they split that up, I, would, I think that's also the plot of a different Dot Hack thing, like some novel or something has the plot of like three people playing the same character and exploring the Dot Hack world. So it's not like that doesn't show up in the Dot Hack universe. Yeah, well, it's just I, I thought that was the interesting
3: thing about the character, and it kind of disappointed me that they killed that at the end.
2: And uh, it's also kind of an interesting thing, though. They played off that rather well. The question of, like, oh, hey, we suddenly realized that these two people we thought were two different people uh, 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 who present themselves as two different people online are actually two different personalities to the same person. Which yeah. is... It's, 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 it's a very different way of presenting the kind of interesting difference between a person in the real world and a person in the game world.
3: Yeah. But there's was, there was so many different characters in the game, too. I think there's, like, 15 or 16 total towards the end of the game. But there was characters like... Uh, one of my favorites, actually, as well, is uh, the, one of the major villains in the game. Not not Ovan, but... Uh, oh, what's his name again? Uh, starts with an Sakaki? S. Sakaki, yes. Sakaki is another interesting one who... He looks completely unlike what he actually is. He looks like this... I don't know, like early like late 20s, early 30s sort of businessman sort of character. Yeah, he presents uh,
2: himself as this kind of Bishonin leader. Yeah, exactly. But here. when
3: you find out who he actually is, he's like this 10-year-old kid with a, an inferiority complex. Yeah. <laughs> so he's a really cool villain in that because he to- he's, presents himself as this mature, uh, important, charismatic leader, and in reality, he's a scared little kid.
2: Yeah, also, let's see here. There's um, One thing I like is that there's a lot of characters returning from the previous game. Sometimes really unexpected ways, which is really oh, that's, interesting.
3: That was cool, too. Like you, every now and then you run into a character, especially on the, for, the forums, was an interesting source of information as well, because you discover certain people who uh, were in the original game but have new characters, and you discover who they are. Like uh, I know, um, uh, what is her name? Uh, the, the little white mage who was a... Mistral. Mistral, yes. Mistral's character actually appears in the Dahak GU games as, uh, as someone else. I uh, she's, don't remember this one. Uh, I can't remember which character is it, is was. Random,
2: it, it, is it a but, random but, background character, or is it uh, one of the major yeah, characters?
3: It, no, it's a background character. She wasn't a major character. She was a, but you, if you read the forums enough, uh, you can sort of see the hints there about who okay, she was. It was it Mistral, or was it Marais, who's the one who returns? No, I think it, I'm pretty certain it was Mistral. It was either Mistral or her daughter. I'm not 100% certain. I think it was Mistral, though.
2: Yeah. Also, there's the various other things, like, for example, a major character, a character, basically, a, a major character from the previous game, whose story is left kind of incomplete, and I never really liked in the originals. So like comes back here, and there's a strong referencing. They never, they never explicitly imply that a certain one of the major characters of Daehui is a previous a character from the previous game, but it's also, it also becomes extremely obvious when you, the more you encounter him. Which one are you talking about? Well, okay, I'll just say it. Entrance from the main from Donnie G is Elk from the previous, and, and that is implied. You're right. I remember that.
3: I, I think never, it was, I might like say it, but I think I fact, think it was also implied that Pi was involved in the original one too.
2: No, Pi I don't can, think I, was.
3: I, I was. I've never been able to figure out who she was, but it is implied several times throughout the game that Pi was involved in the original incidents. I don't recall. I mean, I know or Maybe Pi that. Is, no, it was Yada.
2: I'm sorry, Yada was implied to be in the original. Yeah, game. Yada he is Yada's wise man. Okay, that explains it. Yeah. Yeah, the interesting thing is that Wise Man, he presents himself as the old man I was talking about from the previous one, who was in fact the youngest character, a young kid from the elementary school. And they kind of impl- and again, in this game, he presents himself as Yada, the great representative of the company who is all powerful and wise and old, but he's still young, and they even talk, some of the people even address him as kid dismissively in mocking him. Yeah, and he uh, he comes off as very insecure during certain scenes as well,
3: especially when he's starting to awaken to his avatar. Yeah,
2: uh, Pi I think is actually the younger sister of a guy who shows up in the well, a major element of the Dot H G world, which didn't get brought up to the U S., which is a series of diaries I believe is detailing the in the basically the backstory for the game, even how it, the transition from you know the what? original Dot hack first to Dot I GU.
3: vaguely remember now. I think I I, I kind of remember what it was. It was uh, it wasn't. It was something else that I was re- remembered. It wasn't that dot Pi was someone from .hack, the original .hack games. It's Pi's character is strongly hinted to be a character from the .hack quantum universe, the, the series. At uh, least like yeah, Gathered, anyways.
2: Yeah, and there's some interesting connections between with Pi and Yada to .hack roots, but I'll get to that a little bit yeah. later. So uh, one of the things that I really liked about the .hack GU games, is
3: too, is uh, we already touched on this with the original games, but it's how it presents its story. And the all, all the unique elements of .hack, the hot .hack games, the the forums and the message boards, are all done so much better in the GU games.
2: Yeah, it's still a little imperfect. There's, there's, they could, always could have more forum posts and such, but it's be, much, much better. I, I, the I remember the, there's a
3: lot of forum posts in the GU games, like a ridiculous amount. It's, it takes a long time to go through them all, actually. But <laughs> I'm uh, greedy. So, but yeah, you're, you're true. But I think there's the fewer email
2: conversations, but the email it's, conversations more. are more
3: interesting because you can actually interact with them. But there's a, definitely a lot of forum posts. And I, one of the things I really loved about DotHackGU is that I'd be reading the forums, and you'd learn about these different characters' personalities and stuff like that. And then you'd run into those characters as NPCs in in the world, and you could talk to them, and their personality is shown through it was exactly the same. Like all the characters in the DotHackGU games have very distinct personalities. They have ways of talking, they have ways of, t- I guess, typing in this case, and they come through both in the forums and in the game world. And even if they're not important main characters to the story, and they're just other characters in the world who aren't really, don't actually play a role in the story, they're still really well-developed and really interesting. And this is especially true for a handful of them that show up in certain segments of the forms. Like, certain characters only fo- populate the, the App Callu, which is sort of like deviant art, I guess. And other ones only, only uh, frequent the rumor board and stuff like that. And it, just the whole dynamic of the, the forums and the, and the game world just made it all that much more interesting. And, and even some of it shows up in the, in the news broadcasts that you can read. That's another new feature is that there's a whole bunch of news broadcasts, including a, yeah. a little online miniseries called Online Jack, which tells a whole other story in the real world that coincides yes. with video games.
2: It's a replacement to .hack liminality, since they don't have an OVA bundled within the game, since they just have a lot more video in the games themselves that kind of goes through a similar role. Online jack is basically the big equivalent to liminality. Not quite as good, but still interesting.
3: I, I like, I, honestly, I liked, I liked the, the online Jack stuff. It there were short little skits and stuff like that, but they were always really funny, and they had an, uh, an interesting take on the things that were happening in the universe. And it, it's thanks to online Jack that you really learn about certain characters' real identities, like Sakaki. You find out that's how you find out Sakaki's just a kid. hmm But, but uh, going on about the uh, the forums and the and the message boards and stuff like that. Um, yeah, just. S- some of the conversations and stuff like that, and there are just hilarious to read. And I just really like that whole aspect of the game.
1: It's for people who want to play an MMO without with the middle M multiplayer. Yeah, massively multiplayer. Yeah, take out the middle M. It's just M O.
2: Even that's all the classic MMO tropes, like being able to trade. I mean, being able to trade items to other characters to get cool items. It's a big part of the original game and stuff like that. That. Really makes things interesting. The trade system was really cool in uh, the GU games. So that's that's for sure.
1: Say, so like trading on an auction house or something, or an eBay site. It's more
3: like you trade with a person to person. Yeah, you, you talk to a character, you ask them if they want to trade, and then uh, all your items have a value to them, and you can trade items of a certain amount of value for other items, a certain amount of value. And you can get a lot of items that you normally couldn't get, and you can get them earlier than you normally would be able to get. Like, There's a, a few items that can permanently increase your stats that certain characters hold on to, and you can trade for those. Those are really valuable. You can trade for spell scrolls that can teach Seo or any of your characters really new spells that can come in handy. Um, there's a skill, there's uh, items that can increase your weapon skill, which is a very useful item to have because your weapon skills are actually really tough to increase. Oh yeah. Uh, but uh, there, there's lots of little things you can find in the game to, to trade for. Lots of unique items and stuff like that. and it, You can trade for uh, upgrade items and things like that to increase your we- improve your weapons and things like that. It, it's just really a well-crafted system. and You'll often find yourself just playing the game, just talking to people on the street, even if you have nothing to say, just to see what they have for trade
2: and see if there's anything worth grabbing. <laughs> Also, on top of that, that's kind of an interesting system, which that, basically, each of the three volumes of .hu basically have their own completion percentage. There's a large number of subquests they ask you to do, and basically you have to spend a lot of time filling the subquests out to get cool items that, once you move on to the next volume, you can't get. Yeah, I, most, I only most, ever completed this for Volume 2 myself. Most of like them are I'm all the, items, so though. They're, they're all uh,
3: like background music for your desktop, background images for your desktop. And uh, a few movies that you can only watch in that particular volume. So they're, they're nothing that you're really going to lose out on, but they're definitely interesting to have. There are a, a, there are a couple of subquests that you do have to finish, but they don't really count for completion. And that's like the doppelganger event or the abyss events, which are both worth doing because they're really cool.
2: Yeah. Also, they drop cool items.
3: Yes. Yes. You get to get some very powerful weapons that way, which is awesome.
1: Dang, sounds pretty full featured.
3: It is, and uh, the, even the, the gameplay and the combat in general is a huge improvement over. Uh, yeah, it's a uh, really
2: fun combat system.
3: It's, it's it is an action combat system like the original, the the first four games, but it's it's a smoother combat system. It, it's faster and uh, there's it's flashier, and more flash, exciting. There's skill, there's uh, skill shortcuts, which is I can't stress enough how important they are. <laughs> there's also rengeki,
2: which makes me want to yell rengeki at the top of your lungs because it's just yes, kind of fun.
3: It, it, it's a lot of fun, but uh, I think the coolest thing about the games is the fact that Haseo, his character class is a new one to the world called an Adept Rogue. And the whole idea behind the Adept Rogue is that they can use any weapon. But uh, in order to learn to use a new weapon, you need to uh, undergo uh, a job extension. So Haseo basically starts off as a twin blade, like Kite, but halfway through the first volume he undergoes this job extension quest, which gives him the, which not only changes his physical appearance in the game, also gives him the ability to use broadswords as well. So at that point, you can switch between twin blades and broadswords, and both of them have advantages and disadvantages in combat. And so in the third game, he, uh, early on, he undergoes a third job extension, uh, sorry, a second job extension, which gives him the ability to use his scythe. And with that job extension, he also gains the ability to rapidly switch between uh, any one of his weapons, just by activating his special skill trigger ability. Which the skill trigger is where you use for your skill combat, uh, your uh, your uh, skill shortcuts. You just hit the R1 button, and then you can hit any face button to use a specific skill. But once you get to the volume uh, volume two, and you get the third uh, weapon, the scythe, you can uh, equip all three weapon type uh, skills into your skills thing. So you can have like the square button as a broadsword skill, the triangle button as uh, a twin blade skill and the circle button as a size skill, for example, by using your skill trigger and hitting one of those buttons, you'll automatically switch your weapon. And different enemies have weaknesses to certain types of weapons, so it adds a whole new aspect to the combat system that really makes
2: it a lot more fun than it was in the first game. You kind of lose it on the versatility of the the number of options you have for each weapon from the previous versions, which I kind of miss. But other than that, yeah, it's really fun. And then in the third game, you get to this Final X form, which adds all kinds of crazy new stuff, because then he gets to use twin guns and other such exciting things, and the ability to uh, add a special little t- skill trigger attack at the end of any other sp- skill trigger attack, stuff like that. It's a very interesting, well-designed combat system. This game has a kind of cool arena fights against other players, which is fun, and there's all kinds of. There's even side game where you get to ride a motorcycle around and r-
3: race on a time trial. The, the arena fights deserve an extra attention because this is one of the only only games you'll ever see where uh, the, the the PvP arena games, the the AI changes for your enemies as well as uh, their physical abilities because because it takes place in an MMO, obviously. Um, the AI of monsters and the abilities of monsters differ from the AI and abilities of players. So when you go into the arena and you're fighting other players, their AI acts differently. Like, they'll explicitly target your healer if you're in an arena fight, for example. They'll, uh, you, can, you can do your Rengeki attacks just by interrupting their skill. Like, uh, or oh, they can use their Rengeki's by interrupting your skill. Exactly. It, it, they're completely different fights uh, from the, the main game, and it, it's just a whole different level and different type of combat, just like a real MMO. Like Anyone who's played World of Warcraft Tell you that fighting monsters in the game is completely different from fighting other players, and the same thing goes here. Fighting monsters in Daehak GU is completely different from fighting other player characters in Daehak GU, and it, it it's a little detail, but it's a really interesting little
2: detail that makes it feel. And player fights are really fun as a side result of this. Oh, totally. And the fact that there's even a difference between fighting players in the field and fighting when you fight a PK or try to rescue someone from being PK'd That's versus fighting in the arena. Since there's slightly different rules for field PKing in arenas, and this is reflected in the game mechanics. Like in, in the arena, you can defeat your enemy party just
3: by defeating their, their party leader. Whereas in, in, uh, if you're fighting them in the field, uh, you have to kill them all. There's, there's no other way around it.
2: They even have special blacklist PKs who occasionally show up or even create harder fights, which are really fun. Really powerful PKs, and you can gain extra items, and it's actually a whole side
3: quest to track them down and kill them all. And actually in the third game, I believe, you can undergo a side quest, which is basically to decide who those special PKs are.
2: Yeah, that was kind of fun, which is basically...
3: You count all of them at once, and you can beat them
2: all up, which was really neat. Also, another thing to mention is that um, I think there's a slightly more general field variety in Dark GU. In the original game, there's only really one, two, one or two kinds of area. Lots of different skins for those areas, but not, most things are very similar. In Dark GU, they don't have the distinction between field and dungeon areas, but the, there's a much greater variety of zones between like the great towers that climb up and a few other things, different layouts, and the, the big have, open
3: fields. The GU ones have a, a more... Interesting randomization scheme, but there still aren't that many different types of. Uh, yeah, there's not that many, but I there's, mean, there's there's two, two, far in more... First volume, there's two types of dungeons and two types of fields, all with a couple of different types of weather. Um, but in new ones are added in both Reminis and Redemption. And by the Redemption, there's four types of dungeons, I believe, as well as five, three or four different types of fields. So it is a lot more variety. There's, more, there's a lot more variety in those.
2: Also, just, it looks way better. And also, it's just much more interesting to explore than the original ones, I think. The visual upgrade is colossal. It's a, it's a huge
3: visual upgrade. Plus, there's also the unique areas in the you use, the Lost Grounds, which you can explore, which are also really interesting. I think they also exist in, in the first four games, but they're not as... you don't visit. Yeah, there's
2: them. only really one or so in the first four games, but yeah. the .hack.ju makes a much bigger deal of them, and it introduces a lot more. Yeah. And they're all really cool to look at. Plus there's also
3: four different uh four different root towns actually five different root towns no no, it's four it's four yeah four different root towns uh, across the three games is it and uh they're all unique and different
1: so what about the the villains are they notable
2: uh, we already mentioned well, Sakaki, who is really awesome. I mentioned Sakaki and ovon with the major villains of the games is really interesting for all kinds of ways really cool character, and the triage is kind of interesting it's like once okay, you find out the whole question what- of what is Tri-Edge <laughs> is kind of an interesting plot point that uh, it'll take some kind of time getting into, so I think I'll
3: save everyone the time. You don't, you don't actually really find out what Tri-Edge
2: is until Volume 3, even though you fight him in Volume 1. Yeah. Uh, and that's also... Um, yeah, also as far as villains go, the original game had the bugged monsters in the eight phases. This one is focused much more on Ida, which is a weird black blob that makes people go into coma. There's something called doll syndrome. I don't like Ida as much because it's not as interesting as the overall story behind the uh, enemies from the first game. It's just kind of an inexplicable bug. Uh, but uh, a lot of the actual characters are way better. Well I kind of li- I liked Ida and not uh,
3: Ida wasn 't really a, a character so much as it was a force, which is what was really interesting. I mean it really was Sakaki and Ovon who were the villains, but they were the villains because of Ida and it, Ida is the force that sort of powered drove them and powered them Ida, Ida wasn 't really a, a villain in so much as it was it just existed it was growing, it was expanding it was causing all kinds of mayhem, and the whole game is wrapped around trying to figure out why it's there, what, and deal with the consequences of its existence.
2: Yeah, that's also, there's a slight difference, though. That one thing is that the original game, you can almost kind of pass off as hard science fiction, maybe. Ida, you really can't. It's just, everything it does seems almost explicitly supernatural in some ways. It's like a, this weird supernatural intervention into the game world, uh, which I, can get a little hard to wrap your mind around it.
3: Actually, it. it's interesting. Dot Qua- uh, .hack Quantum kind of explains a little bit
2: more about Ida. That's, that's
3: good to no. know. I need did watch that. Uh, it, well it doesn 't so much explain Ida, but it explains the force behind the the comas and things like that, which is never really explicitly explained on how that whole thing works in either of the game series or any of the other anime but Dow yeah, gives a science fiction reason for it, which is kind of cool
2: yeah, the earlier games only give a big talk about light flashes or something yeah
3: i mean it it has nothing to do with that in the end, actually, according to da Quantum and it's, uh, I think the answer is really kind of cool it's a it 's a different certainly a different kind of idea. And actually, obviously, quantum mechanics has something to do with it since it's called dot Hack Quantum, but
1: hmm. well, um, you talked a little bit about the graphics being updated. How, how were they better than the first series?
2: How were they not better? I mean, it's but like almost a generation the console difference between Pretty much is. The hack game, the original four .hack games
3: were quite primitive visually they had uh, the textures were bland, blocky. Cluttered. The character models were primitive. Had a lot of uh, aliasing problems. Contrast to that. Dot Hack G.U. Dot Hack G.U. Definitely looks among the best of the JRPGs on the PS2. Um, I would put it up there with, uh, say, I'd put it on par with Persona 3 and Persona 4, uh, or say uh, the Digital Devil Saga or Nocturne games. Um, maybe not quite Final Fantasy 12 level, but def- definitely high up there on the scale of visuals for the PS2.
2: They do a lot of cool tricks with the, the, the like, close-in cameras with extremely expressive characters. You don't really see anywhere else. And the characters are... During their moments, the characters are far more emotive than even you'd see in Fall City tw- 10 or 12. That is true, Only yes.
3: briefly. The facial but... animations were fantastic, and the, the way they handled the 3D animated characters. Like, it, they're all anime-style characters, but the way they handled the 3D was extremely do- well done, very expressive, didn't look fake like some, uh, some 3D anime games can. It didn't, it didn't look... Unnatural or weird.
1: Didn't look like a plastic Barbie doll talking.
3: Exactly, and uh, the the, the uh, pre-rendered cutscenes in particular had a really interesting shading effect over the top of them. I, I don't know exactly how to describe it, but it was it had to do with the lighting. There was a lot of uh, a lot of contrast in it, and it really makes it uh, made them stand out.
2: Also, it's definitely basically. Doctor uh, you was the sign of the Connect company that you might be familiar with, like the. Naruto games fighting games they make a lot these days which just look ridiculously awesome it's like the original .hack games aren't like that at all but .hack GU they really show the sign of where this company goes for later projects
1: Hmm. so we we, I know we kind of touched on a little bit here and there but uh, Nathan you promised to provide me some detailed contrast between the two series. Why is GU so much uh, a leg up over the first one, aside from the uh, graphic fidelity that we just talked about?
2: Well, again, a lot of the gameplay, a lot of the just, uh, the characters, the story is better. There's more story contact, the, uh, content. There's a greater number of interesting characters. Uh, the fighting is better. The Cooler side quests, more beautiful areas. Everything is better. Everything of more... worth in a video game is better in GU. You get more value from your money. The games
3: are longer than the uh, the original four games were individually. Um, yeah, exactly. It's just the, the production values are a thousand times better than they were in the first four games. It's just it's a night and day difference. I mean, it, I, could, I could totally understand people being reluctant to play the GU games after if they played the first four games, and we were expecting more of that. But there's such a huge difference. I, I highly recommend playing the GU games and d- not even worrying about the, the first four games.
2: Also, the simple fact that the G games are cheaper
3: because there's fewer of them. And they're newer, so they're, they haven't had time to accumulate. And I think also because the company had already become Bandai Namco at that point, uh, the production run might have been larger as well.
1: They haven't had as long to ferment. Let's see here. To get better with age or more expensive with age like wine does? I, I don't know. Let's take a look. So Volume, uh, volume 1 Rebirth of .hack, uh, slash GU. Is going for uh, fifty dollars.
3: That new or used?
1: That is used. Brand new is a hundred and fifty. Wow! Oh, oh, wow. oh I just, I just, <laughs> yeah, you might need my, to forget my, the
2: cheaper comments my, already.
1: My wallet just <laughs> fell out. Okay, uh, number two, reminisce. Used is going for about twenty-five bucks. New brand new I got one here listed for uh forty forty one plus uh, shipping makes it forty five, so that's not too bad.
3: Someone must have found uh, a few extras lying around. Uh, must be the lower demand if it's the sequel.
1: Number number three. I uh, get some uh, used ones here for about forty-five fifty bucks. And uh let's see, brand new would be about there's one here listed for eighty-five bucks. So really there are Almost the same, it's a little bit cheaper. Like, okay, I'll say they
2: were cheaper, <laughs> not they are, <laughs>
1: you know. So, the, the the and you know what, Adrian, this just, just comes full circle. I get to thank you again for telling me to buy these things. So, the story was, um, yeah, I was talking, uh, I was talking to Adrian about this. No, it wasn't in Tennessee, I was already here in Utah because it's part of RP Gamer. So, it's when I first got here, and uh, I just uh, was hired onto the staff, I was um, on IRC a lot and just chit chatting with peeps. Uh, about the games, and Adrian, uh, Adrian was talking about Dot Hack, and I took him into private and and said inquiry or whatever, and said, "Hey, what's what's so good about this? You know, this series is it really worth picking up?" And and Adrian was just telling me, "Yeah, it's good stuff, good stuff." So uh, he basically said everything he already said on the podcast. So um, the next time I was at uh, EB Games, uh, I looked on the shelves for them, and sure enough, they happen to have all three U of the GUs, and I ignored the regular ones just like he told me to. And uh, I was very happy that I happened to have all three because I'm kind of a completionist. Um, I can't stand having two parts of a game, but especially in this series where it really is, you know, like one big long game that's kind of divided up. So you really want to make sure you have them all. Um, And I think I got them at the time for about 15, 20 bucks a pop, maybe 10. 10 to 20 bucks a pop, but it wasn't.
3: Oh, that's a good deal.
1: Yeah, it wasn't much more than that. But I think it was that sweet spot where they had been out long enough. Uh, to drop in price, but not long enough to become rare and more valuable, um, from you know from the low print run. Where you know how people buy the games original, you know, and then within yeah. a year they'll all trade them back in. So there's a glut of used games on the market for a little bit before they get snatched up by more serious uh, collectors and people like me who with really uh, obtuse uh, backlogs. So. <laughs> Uh, so, they still sent my collection, and I did play, um, at the time, I did play them for, or I played the first one for about five hours, and it was a lot, a lot of fun. And I don't know what pretty new shiny thing, you know, drew my attention and pulled me away. Um, but um, I do need to go back and, and actually sit down and play that.
3: There's actually one thing I didn't touch on in uh, the uh, first Dot Hack Geo games that I, I, I'd like to uh, just go back real quickly and talk sure. about. And that's, uh, you remember Crimson Versus? Oh, yeah. That is just such a fun card game. It's a card game within the game that you can play as a side game
2: to it. I was hoping to mention that, too. It's just, I really like card games and games because I fell in love with Xeno Card way back when, but... Uh, yeah this was a fun one it's like it's kind of an odd hands off one but I had so much fun made building decks for it it's yeah. amazing how good you can get it with just the triage card and jump kills otherwise
3: oh yeah well the, the whole idea behind Crimson Versus is that there's a whole bunch of cards you can collect all based off of characters in the .hack universe not just from .hack GU but from all the other .hack that came before it and uh, what's cool about what's cool about it is that you only create your your deck in the game is only four cards. You have a general card and then three unit cards. So you create a deck of those four cards, and then you put it into the system. And battles are fought automatically against a whole bunch of other people. And as you win battles and lose battles, uh, it's it's all based on math and what the different abilities can do uh, on each card, and who, which cards win and lose that determines the outcome. But uh, it, it's, it's a really interesting thing. There's a lot of strategy to actually building a deck. Um, as, as time passes in the game and uh, in the Crimson Versus, trends emerge, so people will be using different types of decks and things like that. And A deck that was really good might become worthless, especially as you move up the rankings and become uh, better. You, you can gain more cards, more powerful cards. It, it's just a really neat game that you can put a lot of extra time into it, but it doesn't really take away from the main game, because the whole idea is that you create your deck, you put it into the system, and you let it do its thing while you're playing the rest of the game.
1: This is within the, the GU series? Yeah, yeah
2: it's, 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 it's a, it's a, a game within the game. game. It's a game within the game within the game. Oh. oh, actually, no, it's a game within the game that's an alternative to the other game within the game. Exactly, exactly. So
1: this, this, uh, <laughs> this is more fun than uh, Tetramaster on Final Fantasy IX, I think it was. Tetramaster
3: is easier to play. Easier to play. Tetramaster is more involved, but it's definitely easier to play. It's easier to figure out, and you can definitely create some really cool decks in it.
0: So,
1: and it it sounds like it's got a little bit of that uh, world ends with you flavor. How you know certain things uh, will you know how the pins would uh, go in and out of style, and that would actually mean that the pins have more or less power. You yeah,
2: to... it's it's an emulation of the whole idea of a card game's metagame, which is yeah kind of cool That,
1: that that's uh, yeah, that sounds pretty cool.
3: So, like, there's, there are three different types of cards there. You're, you have assault cards, uh, snipe cards, and shield cards, and they sort of act in a rock, paper, scissors way. But uh, as as time goes on, um, shield decks might emerge as uh, a trending thing. So when you have a bunch of shield decks on on uh, online, it's a good idea to create an assault deck because it's more likely to be able to beat them. But then that that trend might shift towards assault after that, so then you might want to switch to a snipe deck so you can beat the assault teams and so on. And... On the, t- on the same time, just like uh, games like Magic the Gathering or Yu-Gi-Oh! or Pokemon cards, uh, there's a lot of interesting strategies and combos you can create just within the cards themselves. Like, there's all the different unit cards have special abilities that take effect when they win, and so you can create entire decks based around the idea of just a single card winning. And so you can power your deck up so you make it more likely so that w- that one particular card wins, and then when that one card wins it affects your general in such a great, powerful way that you have a really good chance of winning the game. So there's all sorts of neat decks you can create. Like I, I think I created a dozen or so different decks that were all really interesting and fun to play, uh, to put in there and see how they did.
2: Yeah, I did the same. So many different strategies you can try. It's really fun experimenting with them.
3: Hmm. Wow. Well, that it, sounds... It was... Uh, like, and just, this is just an example of how different and how many different strategies you can come up with. I, went, I recently played these games again back in July... And uh, when I was finished playing the games, I went back and loaded up my old save files and looked at the, the Crimson Versus decks I had uh, back then when I was playing that game. And they were completely different from the ones I was using in the new game. So th- that's just an example. Even on multiple playthroughs, you're probably going to be using something completely different from what you expected.
1: Uh, that uh, that yeah, that sounds pretty cool. Personally, I'm a big fan of uh, card games, uh, card computer games. I played games like Cold Sap, of course, Magic: The Gathering, uh, 2012 uh, on Steam is uh, is a lot of fun, and on the iPad. Holy cow! Not to digress, but boy, if you got an iPad, you need to pick that thing up. It is awesome. But um, uh, but this sounds really cool. So, okay, guys, gentlemen, here's the million-dollar question. It sounds really fun. It sounds cr- clearly. It's it's a unique experience. I have played a a metric ton of uh, JRPGs, and I can't think of another series where you get to do, you know, go inside the, you know, be playing it, you know, playing the game within a game by playing the MMO, and then you got the card game which is the game within the game within the game, and you got the the bulletin boards, you got the interactions, you got the a, a, so, a very solid uh, battle system, great graphics, uh, the whole nine yards. But is it worth hundred and fifty dollars, give or take?
3: Well, when I bought it brand new, the games were sixty. So there. <laughs>
2: yeah, I. Okay, I'll just relate my simple story. When I, around this time it was this released? The first volume of Dot G U was released pretty much the same time as Fall Fantasy Twelve. All the people I knew went got Fall Fancy 12 first. I got Dot U first. I think I made the better choice. <laughs>
1: Did you get all three of them, or are you just you're just talking about part one?
2: Uh, that, was just, that was just part one. All three of them. Yeah,
3: part part one was released at almost the exact same time as Final Fantasy XII. Mm. The the other games came a little bit later. The other two came a little bit later in 2007.
1: And uh, you know, and uh, and uh, you know, there there there's obviously some people you probably can't afford it. That's okay. That happens. Go play a cheaper game. Um, <laughs> some people. I've got friends who are playing this little game you might have heard called uh, Spyro Skylanders. Where you buy the box for like sixty bucks, and then you start collecting all the plastic figurines and next thing you know you without even realizing it over the course of a couple of months you've easily spent you know over a hundred bucks hopefully you didn't do it all at once, but you pick up a couple of figures here and there and it adds up, or just look at how much somebody spends on uh, you know on a world of warcraft m o or uh even League of Legends with the microtransactions. I got some friends who pumped some money into that, so uh, you know a hundred uh, you know a hundred and fifty dollars for a really good uh, uh, you know one of the best um, PS2 RPGs out there, and definitely uh, by all rights a unique experience uh, that you're not going to get on the PlayStation 3 or or any other console is probably you know well worth it. And uh, on the you know on the other side of that is if you you play through it, and you don't absolutely positively fall in love Adrian will give you your money no I'm just kidding um, you can <laughs> you can sell that you can always go back and sell it on eBay and then you're just out the uh, transaction fees almost as if they were you know kind of like rental money so it's yeah it's, this is
3: a game that these are games that are going to go up in value I think yeah I mean, that's, that's going to go up
2: also well, one thing I really hope is that this is one of those games that really deserves like kind of those HD remaster compilations for a modern System It really that can use that I would buy that in a heartbeat yeah, I would think I might too.
1: Oh, could you imagine? Yeah, that'd be so awesome. I mean, yeah, we're getting we're getting Sly Cooper remakes and stuff, and I'm like, oh, okay, that's cute, but come on, man, you got some really great RPGs on the from the PlayStation, uh, you know, one and two era. Man, where's our remakes of Sooikidin? You know, I mean, <laughs> any rate, uh, no, no, I totally agree. That'd be you know most awesome. But in the meantime, I mean, uh, you know, I hope uh, you know one of the reasons I, I love Backtrack so much is is I'm a am a collector. So I got a huge backlog. Even if I don't play through them, one day I hope to get to them. And I and I try just to collect the games that I know are really, really good, uh, and especially ones that provide unique experiences. Because uh, you know, in the market where we have you know so many RPGs and JRPGs to pick from, um, you know, you get a lot of the same old. Uh, you know, I'm here to save the world. Let's go out and grab a few heroes and slay it. You know, slay a dragon, and and there's a lot of generic stuff going on. But Doc Hack, you know, clearly stands above the shoulders. Uh, head above the shoulders good grief heads and shoulders above the rest as far as having a very unique unique premise built upon you know really solid gameplay from the ground up i mean it just sounds like a really deep and immersive experience uh so wow yeah you gotta go out and get this today boys and girls what are you waiting for yeah see they're they're they're, they're buying another copy that's why adrian and nathan are quiet <laughs> they're on ebay right now like bam i better i better stock up on these boys these, these things are raising faster than the stock market it's not just a game, it's an investment in your future, literally. Um, I don't think
3: they're going to ever be that worth that much. No, but. probably
1: not. Yeah, I don't think so. <laughs> but I can dream, right? There was, a, you know, it was really funny, I okay, can just another side topic you, place speaking of PlayStation 2 games going up, but I had Marvel vs. Capcom uh, 2, and uh, and I had read on GameSpot that they were going to be doing a PSN version of that. So I'm like, well, I don't need to keep the disc in my collection. I'm going to get it on you know the PlayStation Network for nine bucks. Let me jump on eBay and see if I can just get rid of this disc. Cause I like to get rid of disc when I can. It was like $80, 90 bucks. I sold that bad boy before everybody else realized that it was on the PlayStation Network and made me some, made me some quick cash. Cause I tell you, I didn't pay $80, 90 bucks for it. Shoot. But um, anywho. Alrighty. Um, what about uh, what about what about what about what about? Do we have cool comics, movies, videos, and stuff like that we based do. on GU that we, we can talk
3: things. about? Well, John Roots Huckers- is the obvious one.
2: Yeah, it's the one that's the prequel to this one. Like much like Dot sign, the differences and well, like even Stein, it's the same characters involved. Exactly. Dot Hack Roots takes place in the six months between the
3: first scene of Dot Hack G Volume One and the second scene of Dot Hack G Volume One. And in that time Haseo gain he he enters a guild, he meets a whole bunch of new characters. He fall, he gets his mad crush on this girl. Uh he this where he meets Ovan for the first time and how he gets to know Ovon. And then the whole thing with Tri Edge happens, he uh, it's where he starts to level up, he and a whole bunch of the backstory for Haseo's character that you is revealed very slowly over the course of the G U games is all revealed here in Dahack Roots and it's a really neat series because of that. Yeah, it even spoils some of the secrets from Dohack Volume 3, so you don't want to watch it before yeah. you play the game. Yeah, definitely watch don't, don't watch it until after, because, yeah, there's a lot of spoilers in Dohack Roots. A lot of things Well, maybe that,
2: kind of watch it a few episodes of each game or something. Well, actually, that's
3: that's, they way. kind of set that up for you. I mean, in Volume 1 and Volume 2, I, I think in Volume 3 as well, there's, a, there's an episode of Dohack Roots uh, included on the disc. Ah, I see. I, I think it's Volume 2 and Volume 3 that have the, uh,
2: the episodes included in them. Okay, I'll just say it right now, I don't like .hack Roots that much. It's got some good points. It's kind of interesting, but it's nowhere near the quality of .hack's sign. In general, I think it's below the quality of the main games themselves as far as story is concerned. So it's kind of problematic there.
3: I would agree with you there. It, it is a side story in a, in a lot of ways. It, it is just backstory more than anything else. The story is not nearly as interesting, but it does introduce some interesting characters. And there's a lot of things that you won't understand in the GU games until you've seen Roots. Like, for example... Uh, in .hack.gu Volume 2, uh, you get an email from a character named Philo, and uh, you'll have no idea who the hell Philo is unless you've watched
2: roots uh, That really threw me when I first played the game.
3: Yeah, but uh, he's revealed in the first episode of Roots that you can actually watch on the disk of .hack.gu and it's unlocked, so as soon as that's unlocked, I highly recommend you watch that, because well, it's it introduces Philo, and you'll know who he is. But of course, you won't know why Haseo says suddenly when he gets that email, but He's dead. Yeah, you... root spoiler. <laughs> yeah, it, it it does have a lot of interesting stuff in there, um, especially along the lines of certain characters, like uh, a lot of Yada's backstory is revealed. You'll learn more about Yada. Uh A lot of Ovan's backstory is revealed. You'll learn a crap lot about Ovan. And Haseo himself, you get to see how he becomes the terror of death that he is in dot-hack volume one. Which yeah, thought... he's
2: showing exactly how nasty he is as the terror of death.
3: Yeah. It's, it's interesting to watch him grow from being this apathetic kid who's just sort of hanging out and just for the hell of it to see what happens to becoming an actual active part in the guild and then having himself completely torn down. It, it, it's Like I said uh, when we were first talking about Giyu, Haseo goes through an incredible transformation over the course of the game and the anime. And it, it's, the .hack roots is just an extension of that. You see where that chain, how that change happened between the beginning of .hack, uh, volume 1, and the second scene. And it's a major change, even just through .hack roots.
2: Yeah. And I guess Haseo changes even more if you accept a certain fact as canon. However, I refuse to accept a certain fact as canon considering it's stupid, so I won't mention it here. Okay, i got to ask what it is now, because I'm kind of curious. Okay, according to certain canon, Haseo is actually the same person as Sora from .hacks.
3: I refuse to accept that, too. That is stupid.
2: It's just (laughs) stupid.
3: Yes, I agree. Do you think
1: it's stupid, or... It's, it's
3: not. It's not. It's never actually revealed in the hack roots. It was, it was something that was revealed in. Um, it was. It was suggested in one of the ma- uh, the manga adaptations. I think it was Dahak G U Plus, where you, where Haseo's real name is given, and it's the exact same as Sora's real name in the .hack Sign, and that's where that whole thing came from. But Dahak G U Plus has been revealed to not be canon.
2: So, yeah. Yeah. So, okay. Let's talk about .hack G U Plus because I've read through that, and it's it's actually. Ignoring the certain little bit of canon questionalities, it's actually an interesting little comic, because it's an alternate retelling of the main games, just changes a lot of details in its focus a bit. It's basically a simplified, condensed version of the story of the games, and it's kind of fun, it does a few things well. It cuts out a lot of the side stuff, and focuses a lot more on other elements, and it even tells some interesting stories. I kind of like. I can like, consider like a good telling of the characters that you don't see in the games. Like, it act- because it actually dwells into real life and some story that takes place after the games. And even shows a real life date between the characters, the players for Haseo and Natalie and stuff like that, which is kind of fun. Wait, they go
3: on a real life date in Dot Hack uh, GU Plus? Really? Yeah. Yeah, they, they do. do. That's kind of strange. <laughs> But, anyways, like you said, yeah, that whole thing wasn't actually canon. It's, uh, and though the. Well, place it's the canon email.
2: enough if you send a certain email to her, but. Oh, well. <laughs> and in any case, like you said, uh,
3: that. The, uh, the name thing was never actually officially part of the canon, so. Yeah, which honestly is dumb. The there's a lot of .hack fans who will say otherwise, but.
2: Yeah, like Wikipedia says otherwise. Don't listen to Wikipedia. Yeah.
1: Hmm. righty. So anything else? Any other
2: movies, ah. cartoons, OVAs? Oh, here there's a manga we'd well, we we re- like to
3: talk about is uh, DotHack Quantum. I think I can think of. Well, there's also there's
2: also Hack XXX, which is a manga series which is right. created around the time of 2G, which is a retelling of the original games. But I've never read it, so I don't know much about yeah. it.
3: Dot Dot Hack Quantum but- was just recently released in North America, and it takes place well after Dot Hack Roots and DotHack GU. And it's actually a really cool series too. Um it's three OVA episodes. Um focuses on uh, uh, three friends who are playing the world together and uh they uh encounter a f- few strange phenomenon and uh as a result of a, a really poor decision by one character, uh she uh <laughs> anyway, she uh ends up being Having a bounty on her head, and that's where she meets this other character who uh, has all problems of his own. I won't go into any spoilers since Nathan seems doesn't seem to want any spoilers on this, but uh, it is a very interesting series. I quite enjoyed it. It's uh, the visual style is more uh, more uh, it, it's more active than the other the, the other games uh, the other series. Uh, it's, it, there's a lot more action in it. A lot more. Uh, uh, fluid animation, which is uh, very different from *The hacks and Hackroots*, but uh, it's, it's worth taking a look at, even if it is fairly short.
1: Cool, cool. Alrighty. Well, that sounds uh, pretty comprehensive. It just uh, amazes me that, on top of a you know really cool immersive game, you got these other ways uh, to get get involved. And uh, you don't really it, it did, Which came first, the chicken or the egg? The the video games or all this other stuff?
3: Oh, the uh, actually, that's the cool thing about the series is it was originally conceived as a multimedia product uh, project that neither came
2: first. They all right, came at the same time. Right. Yeah, it's a big trans project, which is really ambitious overall. Yeah. Right. And that's... a lot of things since have really followed the patterns laid down by it. I, I would actually say it's probably one of the
3: most ambitious uh, media projects ever. I think the term's transmedia project,
2: but yeah, it's yeah, really a transmedia ambitious. product, yeah. It's very ambitious.
1: Hmm. Um, yeah, that's... what I've that's, never really read...
2: There's probably tons of books and stuff we don't even know about that are out there that are all designed to tie into this. Yeah, like, I, I definitely
3: don't have all the franchises. I have all the anime and game versions, but I definitely don't have uh, all the, the comics and the books and the novels and things like that that's been released here, and I definitely don't have any of the ones that were only released in Japan, so...
1: Hmm. Um... Yeah, I remember that. I remember that reading about that how it was being, you know, re- planned and released as as you know, as one thing rather than, you know, and that's that's one of the things that makes this stand out. It, whereas in most cases you got the 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 comic book and then the video game and occasionally you'll have the video game first and then, you know, that that will, you know, result in some multimedia stuff like the Final Fantasy movie and the such. So it's it's uh, yeah, that's pretty cool. I kind of built this off from the from the beginning. So, since, since you two have experienced a, a lot of different uh, media um, from the Dot uh, Hack and Dot Hack GU series, do you say that they've done a good job? That that it really you know pulls you further in when you when you dip into these other uh, medias, like does, uh, well, the books apart, and the movies apart, and stuff, or, or are they
3: just? Oh, it's smel- it's, it's huge. Uh, it, it just adds to the whole beauty like and the charm like i'd say the gu games are the ones that you really want to experience if you're going to get into the dot universe but everything surrounding it is it's just really good entertainment and it, it, yeah. it just helps add to the universe as well so
2: yeah definitely dot hack sign and in the dot hack gu games are the best things but really having all this other stuff just makes the world this this fictional video game in the, the world feel like such an, a living, real thing, which is you they, kind of like.
3: They've actually created like a twenty year history going forward into like twenty twenty two or something like that, which is I think, I think where Dot Hack Quantum takes place, somewhere in the twenty twenties. But uh, they they've created in a massive history of, of the world. It, it's, it's like an alternate reality because the technology obviously diverges from two thousand nine at the first Dot Hack games,
2: but and it's still such yeah. a certain, uh, it's diverges it's also very oddly predictive. I mean, yeah. Somewhere on either original games or .hg, they start talking about the, using cell phones to open your car and all kinds of stuff. Like yeah. life, It, depends on, the, it really depends on the cell phone. Everything's done with the cell phone. And At the time, I didn't quite believe it. Then the iPhone hit, and suddenly that yeah. reality became true.
3: But there, There's all, there's more truth to that as well. Like uh, For example, the original .hack games and, of course, .hack, GU, uh the whole concept of the head-mounted display is a big part of it, the whole virtual reality thing. We're just starting to see that becoming a reality with the whole... Uh, the, the Kickstarter project, the, um, what's it called? The uh,
0: virtual reality thing?
3: That, there's that virtual reality thing on Kickstarter right now, what, whatever it's called, the, the uh, Oculus Rift or something like that. Mm-hmm. And, and it's, it's becoming a reality. I mean, that's a, an affordable head-mounted display technology that's very similar to the sort of thing you see in the .hack games. And that, actually, when I first heard, heard about the Oculus Rift, that's the first thing I thought. It's like, hey, it's like .hack.
2: Yeah, we're still a long ways away from the extremely light glasses-like one we see in .i.g.U. Yeah. Monoc- we're getting there.
3: The monocle display, yeah. But it's definitely getting there. Yeah, the the, the Oculus Rift looks very much like the
2: uh, the head-mounted display seen in the first games. And some of the stuff they show this, in .i.g.U, one of it's video clips of t- this predicting this class of people who wander around playing games constantly for their daily lives, like so get food and oh. such, and just are always playing games. It seems like it, that's just like an interesting prediction of reality, which might be interesting to look at in the next few years as head red mounted displays and uh, smartphone games pick up more
0: hmm.
3: it predicts a lot of advancements in wireless technology as well and things like that so there, there's a lot of really cool uh technology that uh is sort of predicted in dot hack that you
2: that's starting to become a reality
3: and it, it, it's it's cool in that way
2: and even it's kind of it's the side critique of different ways of operate how operating systems work is interesting it's like there's a lot of Interesting sci-fi going on behind the scenes of .hack, which is kind of. Fun that's to that's look at one thing that really funny about
3: .hack. is like, it, it takes place in 2009, but how, how the hell did they predict that this new operating system would somehow manage to topple Windows in that amount of time?
0: <laughs> I,
2: I think it's one of the fact that you know ultimately designed basically things like everything else is destroyed by computer virus, so only, they basically it's made this one little operating system which only got got away from the virus by being you know unknown, and the once dominant thing is a political move, and then, but that just was a Giant liability, so they moved away from it. By GU. Well, kind of I, I will say
3: the whole the whole interface in the uh, in the uh, operating system, the, the button based inter- interface, the sort of spinning thing, is very similar to uh, the operating systems that we've been seeing in the last few years. I mean, it, it's kind of a lot like uh, e, like iOS with the whole uh, the button yeah. the individual. Button. Or
2: even a lot more like the PlayStation 3's cross. Yeah, yeah.
3: Actually, right. it is a lot like the PlayStation Cross Media. You're right. That's a good. That's a good uh, example.
1: Hmm. Well, sounds pretty exciting. So everybody needs to go out there and spend a lot of money on, <laughs> on this It's stuff. kind of
2: hard since the company which is making all the .hack stuff went bankrupt or fell apart. No, no really went bankrupt. All right, well, I thought they just Cyber- had major problems recently. It was
3: CyberConnect, too, right? I mean, they just recently... No, 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 the, I mean, the, the company
2: worst. that's bringing over a lot of the side stuff for the U.S., Tokyo oh. Publisher and such. They, oh,
3: yeah. Well, that they've been they've been published by a lot of different companies. Like, um, most of the anime was done by Bandai directly, but... Which, uh, Bandai Entertainment is,
2: itself no longer exists. So yeah, but Quantum, Bandai,
3: Quantum was picked up by Funimation, so there was a, there, we yeah, can was, hope that any future installments will be picked up by them as well but the games is all going to be up to Bandai Namco and unfortunately I don't think they Bandai- have any no. Yeah cuz uh, Dark Hack Link is obviously a lost cause at this point there's no chance they're going to release a PSP game and I seriously doubt Versus is going to be on its way either so
2: Yeah kind of big shame Dark Links will look fun because it's the big unification of all the coolest characters across the okay. series well actually
3: I have an import copy of it I picked it up in California when we were at Run to the Sun and uh, I have yet to go through it but uh, it's definitely something I'm going to take a look at hmm. okay,
2: make sure to put up a review of that
3: <laughs> an import review I won't understand a word of it. That's that's the only thing I'm really not looking forward to about playing it. Is that I'm uh, I'm expecting a lot of similarities to the other games, obviously like the forums and stuff like that. But obviously I'm not going to be able to read them because I'm not going to understand a lick of Japanese in it. So that whole aspect of the game is kind of going to get torn away. Yeah, it's gonna be a real tragedy. Yeah.
2: Ah, why couldn't you brought this over Namco?
3: It is it is upsetting, but at least it's just one game. It's not a whole. Trilogy or quadrilogy, like the original.
2: Yeah, it's just more of a much smaller project than the. This, yeah, it's
3: a side, small side project, so it's not as big a a loss. Still waiting for the next big Dot Hack, which who knows when that might be. Oh, I hope they do come up with one, but I somehow think they might be getting close to being
2: done with the series. Yeah, shame.
0: Which is a shame, at least,
2: but... they, at least they've created Dolphin G in the meantime.
3: And at least they also went back to Tail Concerto, which was cool too. Solato Robo.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Hmm. <laughs> okay. Cool beans. Alrighty. Well, I think we're just about done here. We're gonna take another break, and we'll be right back to wrap this up with the final lap. A couple of comments uh, about uh, our last episode under a cloud, where we talked about uh, cl- what was that game called Dark Cloud? <laughs> Dark Cloud one and two, right? Um, shoot, um, and let's see. Becky says golf and dungeons is super rad. That is all.
2: <laughs> it is. It really is.
1: Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. And and the other comments, not even about Dark Cloud, it's about Skyling. ding Druzki's come. I might have mentioned it last time. Is uh, yeah. Um, uh, let's see. He says, i place will play Skylanders. I have all 32 characters. Now, hold on. Let me pull out a calculator. Let's see how much he spent on that. I'm telling you guys, you, you, he, he needs to get dot .hack. He can afford it. I don't mind the platforming, and this is, uh, because Rico, by the way. It might be a her. I'm not sure. And the game is fun. The only thing I dislike is that this is a condensed ascension school of writing for children i can't even pronounce that word i really prefer things like animaniacs where they mix up the writing pudding and things uh, that both children and adults can enjoy rather than just writing down the lowest possible level well that that's that's true i mean well some yeah yeah, I mean, I, there's a couple of uh, you know things that we'll watch. Like I mean, remember we used to watch uh, uh, VeggieTales with my niece and nephew back in the day, and I mean that's a super clean, you know, squeaky clean thing for young kids. And uh, but the, the the there was humor in it that I mean they were making fun of Gilligan's Island and stuff like that. That old people like me was just totally getting a kick out of. Yeah, that's always good when they do that. And and Ratchet, well Ratchet and Clank any suggestive humor in there is so cleverly covered up that there's yeah only the smarter kids will get it no, i don't <laughs> uh, except for rhino. rhino boy i'll never forget rhino Uh hey, just y'all play ratchet and clank
2: no oh, i don't no. these really guns that serious
1: oh my gosh It's for do you like mega man
2: no
1: oh you're no fun it's like
2: <laughs> i'm a big fan of mega man
1: it's it's like Mega Man, except the challenge isn't quite as high, but the satisfaction is there. Uh, it's I mean it's it's from the three D pullback perspective. I mean it's a three D game, but it's like it, I think it did for Mega for the kind of Mega Man mentality of just going, killing things, and collecting lots of weapons, and just having. I think one of the cool things about Mega Man is you had all these different weapons to beat the crap out of people. Um, and Ratchet and Clank you don't absorb weapons from your big bosses, but you will find plenty of kooky weapons, and uh, and and all of them are just different ways of tearing apart all these robot enemies that are just all over the place. And so uh, there's no blood or guts. It's great for kids um, and the such. But uh, uh, and there's there's humor in there that uh, again it's great for kids, and the adults will get <laughs> chuckles out of it. But there was one part in the game, and I just start. I mean, when this happened, I start crying so bad. And and here's a big spoiler for uh, Ratchet and Clank, but. Uh, you're, you know, you can buy these guns from vendors and such, but there's this one sneaky guy. He's like, psst, hey, you looking for some weapons? And, you know, <laughs> Ratchet's like looking around. He's like, yeah, sure, weapons. What, what are you whispering for? What about what about if I sold you a rhino? A, a, a rhino? What am I going to do with the rhinoceros? He says, no, a rhino. R-Y-N-O. And he's like, what the hell is that? rip you a new one <laughs> it's a gun that just fires you know eight, eight homing missiles that just rips you and it costs an incredible amount of money I could never afford it I wasn't mm-hmm. going to grind that much but I mean I'm just sitting there in the middle of the night playing this game and just I didn't expect that in the kid's game I was just I was just cracking and laughing there were tears coming down my eyes it was so funny <sighs> ah memories. But yeah, Nathan, if you like Mega Band, you, you gotta you gotta you gotta check it out. It's really, really cheap. They got the re-release on the PlayStation 3, I think, with the updated graphics. I haven't grabbed that yet. But I've loved this series so much. I've played through the entire thing and I played through a couple of games twice. It's just it's just absolutely a lot of fun. And they have like a game plus mode. Many of them have a game plus mode, so if you play through the game once, keep your save file around and when you decide to go back and replay it again uh you got all your weapons and in the later games they the weapons power up or they gain experience so they just get more and more crazy the the more you play them it's just it's it's addictive i i play it just to see what new weapons i can get and watch the weapons level up and see what the hell they can do next it's it's that's just pretty much the biggest draw for me and, and then the comedy that they throw in there is just you know it's just extra frosting on the cake it's just it's it's just good times Speaking of good times and extra frosting on the cake and all that other fun stuff, uh, let's see here. It looks like we got our next show uh, coming up, uh, number 78, Once Upon a Time in the West. Uh, without even having to look at the description he has in the notes, uh, I can tell you that's going to be about Wild Arms. Uh, wild finally, arms, I've lo- been
2: arguing for this one uh, for a long time, and I finally get to do the Wild Arms part, uh, in the West
1: wild arms there you go well it's coming my friend uh wild arms one through five including crossfire xf or whatever it's called on the psp um so that that ought to be pretty cool that'll be pretty interesting we might squeeze a blast in the recent past talk about birth by sleep but again that's another huge series so i'm not sure we're gonna have a whole lot of time um wow just a lot of great games uh coming out in September twenty ten they are looking at the Blast from Recent Pass list. It's like, man, we could talk about this all night. Just awesome RPGs out there. So uh you'll wanna be back to check that out. That'll be up in a couple of weeks or so. Uh let's see here. So let's let's do some um oh my gosh, again yeah. I keep forgetting about the name of the section, but I don't care. Purple Pimpage. Personal Pimpage. So you guys can talk about uh, what you played this week or some website you want to pimp or it's your time just to talk to millions of people who are listening to this all over the world about what's on your heart and your mind. Take it away, Adrian.
3: Well, I have been obsessively playing over uh 9 9, nine, nine, uh, nine hours, 9 persons, 9 doors over the last week, and I can't stress enough how much everyone needs to go out and buy this game right now and play it. It's fantastic. The storytelling in it, it is incredible. the The twist at the end is one of it's one of those instances which which uses gameplay to tell its story that you don't see very often. I've only seen it done a handful of times, well, and this is one of them. So far and away, it's it, it's a great game. It's on the DS. If you haven't played it, play it. I wish I'd played it sooner. I'm
1: just glad you didn't say it was <laughs> called. I'm just glad you didn't say it was called Six 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 Six. Yeah. All right, nines I can handle. <laughs> Three sixes in a row—it's probably not a great no, game to nines. play. Okay, There's
3: nine, nine, nine. Yeah.
1: Just wanted to make sure the Claw of Diablo himself wasn't going to come through my <laughs> DS and pull me into the underworld. Just clarifying. All right, nines are okay. So that's what you've been playing lately. Do anything? Uh, do anything on the site? Our, our uh, listeners need to know about.
3: Well, I also played Dark two recently. Uh, my review of that is up on RPGamer.com. You can uh, read it there. And I've also been playing some Persona 4 Arena, which is uh, occupying my time currently and is uh, a lot of fun. Oh, uh
1: so, uh, you know, talking about Darksiders, I know you gave that the perfect 5 out of 5 it so richly deserves, right, Adrian?
3: Oh, God, no.
1: What?! But everybody's telling me this is a kick-ass game, man. I mean, I just, I mean I'm watching vlogs and stuff, and I mean, these guys can't get enough of this, man. What, what do you mean, No.
3: There are so many problems with this game. I don't even know where to begin. But uh, just you can read my review for a full listing. I'll just say that the game has it, it's trying to do a whole bunch of stuff, and it seems to be like it's trying to do it just because it's the popular thing to do. Like it's got RPG elements tacked on, and it seems like the only reason they're there is because it, it's the in thing to do. It, it's cool right now, so they put them in. Um, none of it feels like it should be there. None of it feels like it belongs. It Everything about that game feels artificial and forced, and it, it's just a very bland game, especially compared to the first Darksiders. You know, I'm sorry, I
1: couldn't hear you as I am typing a rant to your review right now. Cause, cause I can't believe you did not give it a five out of five, man. I am disappointed in you.
0: Have
3: you? Are you? Are you playing it
1: right now? No, no. But if my friends on the vlog say it's a good game, then Adrian, you must be wrong. Hold on, I'm still typing my rant. <laughs> uh, uh, no, I'm. I'm just kidding. You know the the uh, the reason. Um, uh, one of the reasons I didn't rush out and get it is uh, is three words game for Windows Live. Well oh, that's four words game for Windows Live. I hate. I hate. I heard that was part of the PC version. And uh, you know, usually given a choice, I I grab the the PC version for the the higher fidelity and stuff. I just plug in my Xbox
0: controller. Well,
3: the thing is, I totally understand why people are raving over it. I I I can see what they're liking about it, but honestly, I think they're not looking at it closely enough. I think I think they're being sort of swayed by the fact that there's ooh fun brutal brutal combat, lots of people dying in sick and evil ways. It's 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 the sort of game that just. If you've played God of War, it's like the difference between God of War and uh, and God of War 2. I mean, when you get to God of War 2, it's still got the same mechanics, it's still got the same thing, but it's not as good a game because it just loses its soul. It loses what made God of War so good, and it just goes off on a tangent about... It's it's just about Kratos going around beating things up for no particular reason just because he's angry and wants to kill things, and killing things is cool. It's it's not the same... It, it, it It loses the... Well, The way I put it in, the, uh, in my review is it loses its soul, and that's the thing. Darksiders has no soul. Darks- the first Darksiders had an identity. It had something it wanted to do, but Darksiders loses that, and that was my problem with that game.
1: But, but, but I forget now. Oh, boy. Um, hmm. Maybe it wasn't Windows. Maybe it was that whole THQ thing. Well, yeah, I
3: know you can get it on Steam, so I, I have no idea. I know there is there is a THQ login on the Xbox version, which is kind of irritating. I didn't mention it in my review because, frankly, that wasn't even remotely the only the problem that I had with the game. I mean, something like that is a mild irritant; so it doesn't really bother me at all. Did,
1: did you play what version? Did you play?
3: I played the Xbox version.
1: Oh well, pfft. yeah. Oh, and I remember I remember when the vloggers saying because I was watching video. I, I I subscribed to a couple of YouTube video reviewers or whatever have you. And I remember one of them saying that they, that you have to, to to log into some social thing. Was that? Yeah,
3: that's what it is.
1: Yeah. Ah, that's kind of silly. So if you don't log in you can't play?
3: I have no idea. I haven't actually tried. Uh, it's possible that's the case but I'm not 100% sure on that. Oh, that would, that
1: would be pretty rude. Yeah, I suspect off. you can
3: still I'm pretty certain you can still play if you're offline. But yeah, I think thing, if you're online just- it tries to force you on.
2: Oh, what? Well, like that's for me, like, how I always do Bioware things. They always ask me, oh, sign into our Bioware social thing, or what have you. I say, no, don't bother. Let me just play the game. And fortunately, they always let me still. I haven't had to actually complain about it yet. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I've, I remember that um, that uh, that thing on Dragon Age, Dragon Age, where, you, you know, you had to sign up with the the whole thing, and I was worried about people trying to chat with me while I'm trying to enjoy my immersive Dragon Age origin experience. So... Um but yeah I can't remember there if if it's got game for windows Live, somebody let me know I try to look it up on Steam and for some reason Steam doesn't list the if if it is I just can't find the DRM uh usually on Steam it'll say this thing has Steamworks DRM or whatever and Steamworks I don't mind I mean you know I you know that's that's not a big deal and on my laptops I'll install Steam steam games and then I'll turn it into offline mode uh, so that Steam never tries to connect again. And I can enjoy my game in peace without worrying about being connected or not, because with my laptop, I'm not always connected. Uh, and that seems to work pretty well, because uh, if you leave Steam turned on in online mode and you're not online when you try to boot up Steam and play a game, sometimes it won't let you play the game. And they'll say, do you want to start an offline mode? Yes. Sorry, you can't play your game. What? Why'd you ask me for it then, Stupid Steam. But, um, uh, but a game for Windows Live, is, is the, is the, is, it's, it's the thing of, of, of devils. It is just so freaking wrong. I played a uh, uh, Bioshock uh, Two, I think it was, uh, and Batman Arkham uh, Arkham Asylum, and it's so bad, dude. I I am like for Arkham City, I grabbed the PS3 version because I I hate it. Oh, it's evil. Oh, I could go on a rant. We'll be here all night. <laughs> I hate game. I I don't mind online crap. I, I mean, I don't. I mean, you know, I got Steam. I got oh, Origin. I've got Impulse. It's all on here. Don't don't do this to us, people. Anyway, uh, I digress. Uh, how about you, Nathan? What's going on with you?
2: Uh, nothing too interesting, but I figured as long as we're talking about Dot Hack, I should mention a cool anime I'm watching right now, which is Sword Art Online, which is basically people trapped in the world of MMO, and it's really good. So yeah, if you like Dot Hack, if you like the premise of people trapped in MMO, there's an anime on that's being simulcasted from Japan right now, which is really cool to watch. So what's it called it. again? What's it called? sort art online which is the name of anime is it subbed um it's subbed yeah available legally streaming from crunchyroll which is always good
1: yeah i think the wife does a lot of crunchyroll that's all she does watch uh watch stuff in foreign languages that's because she is from a foreign country so i guess it kind of makes sense i wonder if people people in asian countries are on like soft roll or the opposite of crunchy roll and watching like american shows you know that are subbed into chinese just for them you know if they're 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 watching like uh uh you know uh american idol right now because you know or whatever's hot these days what, the, what i don't even know what's hot on tv i don't even watch tv i'm too busy playing video games or uh, pen and paper when i have time
3: it's funny you mentioned uh, stuff that's similar to .hack. If we're talking about stuff that's similar to .hack, a little while ago I watched uh, an anime called Fractal, which was recently released, dubbed in uh, in North America, and it's got a lot of visual similarities to uh, to .hack.
2: That's kind of cool. And,
3: and the idea behind that one is that the world is basically overlaid, like the real world is overlaid with a, a massive hologram, which it completely alters reality. It's actually kind of a cool concept, and there's these sort of... Uh, Things called Doppels, which are basically virtual people, and it, it, it's a really neat idea. It's not done as well as it could be, but it's still an interesting series, especially is visually. Worth, so, is it worth watching?
2: I mean, is it fun? Uh,
3: I, I I enjoyed it, not as much as I enjoyed the Hack series, but uh, it's it's still a decent series. You can, I think, you can probably watch it on Funimation's website, but I'm not
2: 100 percent sure on that. Yeah, I'm pretty sure you can. I've been wavering back and forth whether it's worth my time or not. So I guess I'll give it a try. Hmm.
3: Anything
1: uh, else, Mr. Nathan? Anything you've been doing on the side or any fun games you've been playing you want to brag about or any bad games that you want to rant about?
2: Um, I haven't been playing games as much as I really would like. Though, I mean, I don't want to say, I'm always playing games like two years behind everyone else. So. I mean, I'm just getting to Tales of Graces F right now, uh, which is like 12 months ago. I mean, it could be played Talk about how I've been playing. Yeah. yeah, I'm sorry. I'm not the best person to go to games because I'm always like two years behind everyone else.
1: that's okay you're on the rpg backtrack i mean if you were playing the latest and greatest thing well you'd be adrian you know (laughs) you you wouldn't be on the art well well, something i mean hell nathan i'm playing ps1 games sometimes over here you know
2: yeah no i don't play because ps1 games are awesome so so i I just uh, nothing's coming to mind sorry
1: that's okay I uh let's see here. Um our cats on me. I'm playing Get Rid of the Cat. That's what I'm playing. Uh, uh, all right, stay over there cat stop bugging. Oh, uh, let's see. I've been playing Orcs Must Die. It's not an RPG, but dang now yeah, it's just so satisfying killing literally thousands of orcs. I, it just, it, you just haven't played it. You just you gotta go check it out. There's a second one out, and that's what kind of inspired me to boot back up the first one. I think I got stuck on a hard level. See, it doesn't take much for me to get sidetracked off a game, even a good one. And I was um I was playing uh I was playing it when it first came out or whenever it went on sale, and uh, I must have got stuck on a hard level uh, through to the side or deleted or reinstalled my computer, whatever it was. I reinstalled it. Steam Steam saves this stuff in the cloud, so I knew exactly where I was at continued the game and oh boy couldn't couldn't put it back down just fun laying down traps if you never if you never played it it's a combination of a third person shooter um with really cool weapons uh mixed with uh tower defense so the little guys are going to come the orcs are going to come into your castle and try to get into your portal in the back in waves and uh you got some starting out gold and you lay down you know traps there's Damaging things like hot coals that sets them on fire, and they start hopping and holding their feet. It's really hilarious. Uh, there's electric tasers you can stick on the ceiling that'll zap whatever comes underneath of it, including flying creatures and whatnot. There's a big, huge swinging mace that just swings in the hallway back and forth, and uh, you know that those are just fun. There's physics-based traps like there's this uh, there's a springboard, and those are really great to use when there's a bridge going into your castle that's surrounded by lava. Because you will just see them get thrown out into the lava and burned to death. That's always great. Um, but uh, you, uh, in a lot of the boards, there's more than one entrance, and and uh, well, I forgot to mention you are also a big part of stopping the orcs. So once you lay down your traps and you hit the go button, the orcs start pouring out. Usually, especially on the first, you know, initial layout of traps you don't have a lot of money so it's never enough to stop all the orcs you've got to get in there and get your hands dirty you've got a a crossbow and a swinging blade and later on you get things like you know being the ability to throw vials of or acid bombs you throw them with one button, you blow them up with the other button, and you get them right in the middle of a bunch of orcs, and you just watch the 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 flesh burn off their bones, and then the bones fall last it's It's great um lightning and ice and fire you get all kinds of cute little spells and and uh and stuff to play with and and then of course the the cross i use the crossbow mostly i I don't know why you'd want to get them close with a sword because you're pretty squishy um and some of the orcs are really strong and can the bigger ones can stun you and stun lock you. I've died a couple of times to stun lock and that's no fun. Um, but you'll be there helping out your traps, doing a lot of damage. And, uh, now some of the boards, there'll be two or three different ways they can come into your castle and uh in those cases instead of splitting up my traps and trying to be in two places at once i found it much more effective to focus a crap load of traps on one side and man the other side personally and it does give you some indication where they're going to come from next and you got a radar at all times showing you know what their progress is so um, you can make some decisions but it's fast and it's heck, most tower defense games uh you know you put down the little traps and you watch it play out and you watch things die that's cute but in this game no once you hit that go button. You are in full third-person shooter mode. You are going to be running around and shooting the crap out of orcs and throwing out your spells. And sometimes you'll you'll have some extra money. You'll quickly lay down a couple of extra traps uh, uh, to help you out. It's just it's just a bucket load of fun. So if you haven't if you're if you like tower defense games or third-person shooters, uh, then you'll enjoy this one. It's like peanut butter and jelly put together. It's just, it's just a blast. So and speaking of playing old games, Nathan, I'm playing Puzzle Quest. I, I keep I just you know I keep putting it down on the PSP. I go back to it six months later, put it down, go back six months later. I'm like level twenty five. I figure there's an end to this game sooner or later. Uh, <laughs> there's a storyline that's tying together the reason why I'm going from place to base. You know, beating the crap out of people playing Jewel Quest, uh, and uh, and and I don't care because it's very. I swear, somebody just took a bunch of big words and put them together. You need to go to the city of Varkvadanjurhagen and beat up this org named Bob, And yeah, it's just... Uh, the story is just absolutely for for forgettable, and that's okay. It's got, you know, cute little graphics and stuff, but it's really all about matching things up to beat the crap out of somebody else. I and mean, I remember... I remember when Puzzle Quest first came out, it was really big, and everybody was playing it, and now nobody plays it anymore. Puzzle Quest 2 came out, and I don't think it received as much fanfare... And um and, and I, I, don't, I don't
3: think we even ever got a review for that one actually.
1: You know that that's a good that's a good point, you know, what, Adrian. I remember it coming out and and I don't remember if we did a review or not. Uh, let's take a look. Haha. But um yeah, so, so don't feel bad, Nathan. Oh
2: no, we did. We did get one. Oh,
1: okay, that's cool.
2: Let's <laughs> well, talk one game I could mention which I've been playing all the place. It a wasn't lately. a very good one. Our f-
3: our friend Mike Minky reviewed it and he did not like it.
1: Oh, that's because it wasn't a strategy game. Mike doesn't like anything that isn't a strategy game. He's such a poo-pooer. Just like that other guy who gave Darksiders like a really bad score, whatever his name is. It wasn't
3: that bad. I
2: gave it a three. Oh my
1: gosh. What so what what else did you did you have something that you had to go back there, Nathan?
2: Oh yeah, it's just, I just realized this one game I could at least mention. It's like well, the simple fact that I've been playing a lot of Blaze Blue to extent. Can't I haven't been playing Arceus. S the most recent game, but I'm a big Blaze Blue fan, so yeah, I've been playing that recently. Which is good timing considering right in the middle of playing as they announced the third Blaise Blue game, which I'm really looking forward to. If you love like Blaise Blue, you should be playing
3: Persona 4 I right was now. about to
2: exactly say that. <laughs> Same company. He... I know it is. It's just, you know, I haven't had the chance to buy it yet. It's the reason I don't really play modern games that much. I,
3: I, I got to say this about Persona 4 Arena. The story mode is intense. It's like, the story is as good as the story in Persona 4. It, it's addictive it is it is it's, it's really cool
1: i read in one review that uh that one of the characters story in the story mode like takes over an hour before you even get to fight something it's that yeah deep. it's there's so well, much that's, you know it's
2: our crazy. system works story mode blaze blue can have some really intricate story stuff so i know it'd be good
1: yeah blaze blue you're right yeah i remember because i had blaze blue um i went out i had to drive like 50 miles to find a copy there was all this hype about it, and a friend was hyping it to me, so it got me all excited, so I went out and grabbed it. And, uh, yeah, it had much more story than I ever, normally ever, ever seen a fighting game. What what do you get in Street Fighter, a 30-second cutscene?
2: Yeah, (laughs) Street Fighter is terrible the stories. Like, just at the most fundamental level, it destroys every other fighting game as far as good story is concerned. I guess, except now, marks did top it with Persona 4, I hear, but, or at least matched it. Oh, well.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, uh, yeah, Adrienne. I got, I did get uh, Persona Four for my uh, arena for my. Um, was it a pre-order or was it a last-minute order or something around it, rather? Yeah, and I came and I got it, Adrian, Actually, uh, I've I played Blue and it didn't really hook me. Um, the story kind of had me a little lost, but maybe it's because I don't read enough. I. I I um, I didn't stay – I didn't hang on to Black's for long. In fact, I turned it around and sold it for more than what I paid for it. Uh, <laughs> but uh, but with Persona 4, the reason I picked it up was because of the um, – uh, because of so many reviewers saying that the story was really, really good, and that intrigued me and uh, and saying that the bat battle system was pretty easy. And, and I just popped in the disc. I haven't had a chance to actually get into the story mode myself, but I popped in the disc and ran through a match with one of the characters, and I got pretty far. I, I well, was. One of
3: the, I, what's one of the cool things about Persona 4 Arena is that if you suck at fighting games, it's got you covered. Yeah, uh, it's got an auto combo system,
2: which is really neat. You and know, basically, it's taking that it it, from Blaze Blue, which is pretty handy. That one too, yeah. if you're still skimming to the game. Blaze Blue Continuum Shift is a lot more than any other fighting game I've seen to really teach people how to play fighting games. And if they skate over Persona 4, it's a good thing.
0: Yeah.
1: yeah. Hmm. Oh, okay. That's very cool. Alrighty. Uh, let's see here. I. I uh, – let's see. What other non-video game really – oh, uh pfft, been trying uh, Pathfinder Society. So it, 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 that's pen and paper Pathfinder role-playing type of game for those people who don't know. Um, I've talked about it enough times. I think our listeners know. But um, Pathfinder Society is a way to play Pathfinder without committing yourself to a full-blown weekly campaign. Uh, you make up a character following Pathfinder Society rules and you look up online to see what Pathfinder Society events are being organized in your area and you can go and you can play them and your character will gain gold and experience and you chronicle that, or you you know document it in accordance with their guidelines. And then when some other guy's having another thing going across town, or there's an online event, or you're going to Gen Con, dang it, you can take your sheets with you, and you can still keep on jumping, keep gaining experience, keep gaining gold. But because it's you know, because it's portable, it's an organized, uh, you know, a game playing system. Um, you don't have to commit. You can do one thing here, one thing there, one thing another. There's obviously going to be some limitations to make this whole thing work. Um, but it's it was pretty cool. I played with uh I played through the intro trilogy and I ended up with three almost entirely uh different groups every single time. And I did them all online through Skype and Map Tools which is virtual tabletop software. It's actually very handy for for doing on the go uh yeah, pen and paper RPGs and uh with people from all over the world. I Had one guy all the way from Australia on one of our games and another one from Hong Kong. And uh, we just we we went through the scenarios and we had uh, we had a lot of fun. So uh, that's interesting. I'm looking a little bit more into that. And that's about it. Um, I think so. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what else do we have here for today? I think that's going to be about it, actually. So we'll do the official uh, legalese that we like to do at the end of the show to cover all of our bases. Uh, RPG Backtrack is a production of RPGamer your source for RPG news, impressions, reviews and articles and home to the best gaming community on the net. Write your questions and comments on our boards or email jcservant at rpgamer.com and help shape our future shows Don't forget to follow us on twitter.com slash rpgamer and become our biggest fans at facebook.com slash rpgamer as always, you can listen to our previous podcast, all 76 of them, as well as our awesome sister show, RPGcast. And that's all found at rpgamer.com. On behalf of Mr. Minky, I think Mr. Adrian Den Alden and Nathan Schlothen for talking about the Doc Hack series tonight, which I knew absolutely nothing about. Thank you so much for taking me to school. And uh, I thank you, our listening listening audience, for listening. And uh, come back in a couple more weeks. We'll be talking about something else. Have a great evening.
4: we